drinks over, nigga. God MC, me, Jehovah. Hey, little soldier, you ain't ready for war. ROC too strong for y'all. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight, pin to a test. Chest in the line of fire with your thin ass vest. Bringing them boys to men, them boys pull in. This is grown man B.I. Get you rolled in the triage, B.I.G. Your reach ain't long enough, Dunny. Your peeps ain't strong enough. Fuck up. Rockefeller is the army. Better get the Navy. Niggas will kidnap your baby. Spit at your lady. We bring night the fist fight. Kill your drama. We kill you motherfucking ants with a sledgehammer. Don't let me do it to your Dunny, cause I overdo it. So you won't confuse it with just rap music. ROC, we running this rap shit. M.E.Z. Running this rap shit, the broad street bully. We running this rap shit. Get zipped up in plastic when it happens that day. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show 282, and we are about to throw hella goo, fantasy football style. P-Y-R-O, running the fantasy game. Let's do it. Fire it up for week one of the NFL season 2017. This is going to be a doozy. We are cranking out our first real season fantasy football fire here for you. And everyone's pumped up here. Super jacked up as usual. I've got, well not as usual, I've got... Waz to the left, replacing Houdini for the week, who's out on business. Across the way from me, I got Stag Party, the man, the myth, the legend. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com, and we are super pumped to talk fantasy football. We're going to be going through those week weekly matchups for week one. All 16 games, well, it might be 15 because of uh, Hurricane Irma, but we will get through it, and we're going to talk about it anyways. Let's fire this shite up. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we are on NFL.com forward slash, or just go to schedule, go to regular season, go to week one. We know that on two days from tonight, the kickoff is Chiefs at Patriots. What you say the spread was on that one? Up to minus nine, Patriots' favorites. So... You know, Roger Goodell's going to be in town for the first time since Brady Gate to Flake Gate, whatever gate you want to call it now. I mean, and this is all on the eve of the Boston Red Sox apparently having an Apple Watch key uh, for stealing some signs, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, everybody's upset at Boston once again. But they are the defending Super Bowl champions after one of the biggest blown leads you've ever seen in a, you know, football game, not just to mention the, the goddamn Super Bowl. So the Patriots are going to come out firing, but they've already sort of lost one of their best players from their last year's team in Julian Edelman. We'll see what this offense can be with new players, new pieces in Brandon Cooks, new new pieces in the run game and Rex Burkhead and Mike Gillisley, and how these two guys are going to sort of uh, balance and become more multiple. Run out of the shotgun. Run out of eye formation. Who's going to be the goal line back? Are they going to use a pass catching back only like James White like they have? Or because Rex can do a couple different things so they can use him a lot. He's coming back from an injury. That's interesting. Uh, that, breaking down that backfield for week one is going to be a tough slate. Like I don't know if you want to go in guns blazing starting any of them. Uh, the best starts probably Mike Gillisley, and you're just hoping for that touchdown. Uh, and it seems like when they're inside the five-yard line, get, getting close to the one, 
Gillisley's the guy they've used a lot in the preseason because he converts them. So that's there. The rest of this team, you know, you know the studs and you know the other guys, but the depth pieces are always ones that seem to show up late for the Patriots. Can they do it early? Yeah, well, you know, the beautiful thing with, with this is we have, and sometimes we get duds on the first game, the uh, you know the over on or the the spread doesn't say it, but I think this game is going to be a lot closer than that. I think uh, the Chiefs, their defense is stout. I think they're kind of ready and excited for a, a solid season. Um, you know, the thing that I like here is the implied point total for New England is super high, but it's uh, actually not that great for Kansas City. Uh, Twenty-eight point two five for New England is their implied point total uh, for this Week One matchup. And Kansas City's loading on my slow iPad is 20.25. So, I don't know. I, I think with, with it being in the big stage, and um, I, I think that this defense is one of the few that can slow down these Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, when you look at a spread like nine, that's quite unheard of against Andrew. like one of the, you know, Best defense is there in Kansas City. Andy Reid has put together a great defense. Uh, here's the thing, you know, like Stag Party, he mentioned the additions of Burkhead and Gillisley. Now I believe the Patriots have a better, better running backs than the Chiefs. I think that was the Chiefs' advantage uh, up until this season, until all the acquisitions, and then they added Brandon Cooks. Even though the Patriots lost Julian Edelman, you know how the Patriots do with this depth. You know they're going to get Brandon Cooks involved. They're going to Gronk is healthy. They're going to make a lot of things work. So, you know, not only do they have a better quarterback, now running backs, wide receivers, tight end, coaching, scout. I mean, the Patriots are going to play this game, and they're going to play it through all four quarters. We might see the Chiefs, you know, start off really well, putting the ball in Tariq Hill's hands. I do believe Bill Belichick is going to find a way to take him out of the game, not physically, uh, but, like, you know, they're going to game plan to shut him down. He's, he's, he's a playmaker, the most energetic guy on the field. He's, he's going to make plays. So, Alex Smith is going to rely on Travis Kelsey and Chris Conley. I like Chris Conley a little bit in this game. We might see him score a touchdown and get a good amount of yards, but I don't think they're going to be able to sustain this through four, four quarters. The Chiefs are going to, to cover the spread probably through about two or three quarters of the game, then the Patriots can do their thing and score touchdowns, score touchdowns. And I think they're going to cover that spread. I think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, typical Chiefs to start off slow in their season. They don't get up and running until week six as it is and then get in those playoffs and, you know, lose out in the first round. I mean, especially with, with the Chiefs side of the ball. Like, you drafted that defense. You spent an early round pick on them in the 12th to the 14th round. You probably do not want to start them against the Patriots this week. You're likely to get negative points. Like, they're great defense. You know, Eric Berry got tore up by Rob Gronkowski last time they played. Seven catches, 82 yards, uh, and two touchdowns. You know, the corner, Marcus Peters, he's really only played one side. So unless they're going to start running shadow coverage with him now, you know, the rest of their coverage can be beaten. Chris Hogan, you know, is a guy who can make some plays. And they're going to move around the other receivers like Brandon Cooks, get them away from Marcus Peters. So, like, they don't just have a, a defense that can match up with the firepower of the Patriots on either side of the ball. And then when you flip over to the offense, we got to remember the Patriots are deeper in the secondary 
than they have been before. Like now they have, uh, um, now they have. Who's getting up in the bills? No, Stephon Gilmore and now and Brown, the Super Bowl hero. So they've got both of these guys who have played lockdown coverage. So that's something to look for. Uh, you know, you look at Conley, you look at Tyreek Hill. Who's Bill Belichick going to really try to take away from this game? Does he try to take away Travis Kelsey and leave maybe a deep threat in Tyreek alone? Or is Tyreek the guy that he's going to try to take away? Because they are going to be likely starting a rookie running back in Kareem Hunt. Even if they say they're going to go with, you know, a plethora of three-headed monster back there. Even if you say you're going to do that, Kareem Hunt looks like the guy mostly viable to carry a workload. Yeah, I, the beautiful thing about week one is, and you even said it when we were talking before the show, it's like, once these games get going, especially there's so many unknowns in that backfield for, for uh, New England, but the same goes for the Kansas City one, and you just don't really know what the hell's going to happen. And we, even as experts in this stuff, have a, such a better grasp, even at the half of some of the, of the first of these games, than we do uh, right at this moment, because... It's there's gamesmanship, you know. These two coaches are are, are is astute and and um, as good as they get in the NFL over the, literally in the history of it and over the last twenty years for sure. So they're not going to show their hand in preseason. They're not going to show their hand, and who knows what's going to happen. So I, I'm going to say one thing though. Do you think that you like Conley? Do you think that a Kelsey uh, can get it done against, or you think he? Who who do you think they're shutting down? You think they're shutting down Hill, and you think who do you think they're shutting down? I don't really think they're going to shut down anybody. They're going to try their best to. The Patriots probably game plan to take away Tyreek Hill. They also said they're planning to get him some carries this week. They're planning to move him around the formation, get him some jet sweeps. So I, I think Hill's still a viable play. Everybody on the Chiefs that you normally would play, including Kareem Hunt is probably still in play for you this week. For sure. What do you got? Yeah, not to mention, Tyreek will move around a lot. And although I do think Belichick will game plan to, you know, kind of limit uh, uh, Hill's, you know, uh, progression and, and touches, they can't, they won't be double teaming him all the time. But with him moving around so much, they're gonna, they will have to focus a lot more on Travis Kelsey. They know what Kelsey's pretty much going to do. They could pretty much contain that. They'll give him a catch, but they won't. I don't think that they're going to try to prevent those first downs and those those red zone uh, opportunities. I think the running game is probably the the lousiest part for Kansas City because we we don't have any idea, like you said. You know, we're all on board with this uh, with this Hunt hype, but like, who knows? You know, could be could be Charkandra. I mean, and it could be a 50-50 thing. Week one, absolutely. We saw we saw West and Spencer Ware. Share the workload on numerous occasions. It's just what Andy Reid does. He knows his guys. He's going to play football the way he knows how to play, and that's just to put it in as many guys' hands and see who can make a play with it. Well, let's hope Tyree Kill's hands are looking a little better in the regular season than they did in the, in the preseason because that mofo was dropping a lot of passes. Uh, and then the same goes for the flip side. Uh, Butler, Malcolm Butler, had a pretty bad preseason himself, not really looking like the same got the same old guy. So hopefully he's just getting into game shape during that preseason and uh, he'll be his old self uh, when the season starts. Uh, anything else on this game, or should we move on to the first of the Sunday, September 10th games? I just yeah. want to add, uh, I know I talked about 
you think it's going to stay rather tight, so you think the Patriots won't cover the spread. I think the Patriots are going to cover State Card. Did you mention who you think is going to probably win this game? Patriots probably win. Cover. Yeah. Tom Brady averages like 330 passing yards and three TDs in opening week games. So Tom Brady's my number one quarterback this week. And also, they, even last year, they had some ridiculous spreads, and they, like, covered them big time. So, as much as I think this game could be good, the, the Patriots are kind of an anomaly in spread coverage. They just make it look like college. You can't bet against the Patriots. You know, it's, it, and the other anomaly of, about having a nine-point spread against uh, top five defense this season, top three even, you know, that's an anomaly in itself, but you just can't bet against the Patriots. I would not bet on this game either way, though. I would love Kansas City to get a win, start it off looking hot, because, um, uh, I don't know, we've seen enough of the Patriots, and I like them. Um, <laughs> let's go to uh, first game, um, kind of a stinker. We can kind of maybe move through this one. Is uh, Jets are going to be upstate New York with the Buffalo Bills. Um, First Is that off, even true geographically? At first, I just learned where fucking Buffalo was. Buffalo's it was like to the left. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> I used to live right down the road from at the time Ralph Wilson Stadium. Uh, they played Orchard Park, New York. Here's the thing: when I tell people I'm from originally from Buffalo, New York, they're like, "Oh, that's upstate." I guess anything else that's not New York City <laughs> yes. is going to be upstate New York. Geographically, if you're above New York City, you are in upstate New York. So yes, I'm taking that up. <laughs> that, that is, what I, it I is like, more overstate. I disagree. I, I like what people say they're Western New York, but that's just that's too much geography. West, <laughs> yeah. Let's just go upstate and just oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, New Yorkers. The, uh, the East Coast. They all, they all they know is East. They don't know the West. They think everyone's a bridge and tunneler. <laughs> I can never I can never tell people I'm from New York. You know, some people will be like, Yeah, I'm from you know well you got you guys usually say Chicago just because Illinois is a clusterfuck outside yeah. of Chicago. But most people can at least say the state. I can't say New York. They're like you're not from the city. All right, all right, I'm from the second biggest city in New York. Whoa. You know, so <laughs> That's you always have to say Buffalo, New York. That's like a good point. You have to say New York City. Um, <laughs> well, God bless them. Can I ask one question? Let's start with the Eagles. I mean, sorry, the Jets. What is that trade that for curse? I mean, did they get fleeced there? I they mean, got a second-round pick. So. They did not get fleeced. Okay. Because I want to hear because I, I, I've looked at it, and I just I, I had a draft. I didn't spend too much time on it, but... I mean, they have been trying to shop uh, Richardson around after his, you know, uh, speeding, you know, getting you know, the smell of uh, pot in the car, even though he, he wasn't uh, smoking or whatnot. But he puts himself in these situations. And I think they saw that with Leonard Williams, once they acquired him, because Chicago, for some reason, passed on him. Um, you know, they're like, we really don't have a spot for you. And I think they weren't going to re-sign him. They saved a lot of roster cap space. They're obviously rebuilding. They had an extra piece that they could get a second-round pick, which when you can turn a guy for a, a player and a second-round pick, yeah. that's pretty good if you think about it in NFL terms. I know it doesn't seem like much in fantasy football, but a second-round pick in the NFL is a big deal when you're turning players. And if they didn't move him, they would have like got rid of yeah. him this offseason and got no pick, no player. Jermaine Kurz is in addition to the depleted wide receivers they have. They, they just signed Jeremy Curley back today, so he's back around really? the block. All right. Yeah, so he, uh, Jeremy Curley went uh, west coast and back, almost just like Brock Osweiler did. So, um, yeah, Jer- Jeremy Curley just had a little Jer- bit better of a better season last year than <laughs> broke. Jeremy, Jeremy Curley and Jermaine Kurz are going to perform like 
a decent average wide receiver tandem. But how long is it going to take these guys to get back up with the playbook? You know, things are changing there. You know, the quarterback position, Bryce Petty's the number two on the depth chart ahead of Christian Hackenberg. But it looks like Josh McCown's getting the start at least this week. So we'll see how long that trend goes for. I hope it goes for a long time because I don't want to see Bryce Petty, nor do I want to see Christian Hackenberg, like, even be given the chance to, like, play football because... At least Bryce Petty will live it up in one preseason. Right. You know, but Josh McCown is just going to kind of stay steady. I want neither of these other two guys, as a Jets fan, uh, I, I don't want them to even look good in one game because then I know I'm just going to get stuck with one of these assholes <laughs> for, like, the next two years when this quarterback class next year just looks so nice. I, I want them to realize, well, they're trash. We are definitely, definitely, definitely going to be taking oh, a quarterback. Yeah, we talk about the additions of uh, Jeremy Curley and Jermaine Curse. Rookie Ardarius Stewart is actually going to get a bunch of playing time now ever since Quincy Nunez's injury. I like Robbie Anderson and Ardarius Stewart should be the, the ones and twos. Um, at the same time, Austin Seferian Jenkins is still suspended for the first two games, I believe it is. I always try to remember because I get, I get his and Doug Martin's suspension uh, confused for some reason. So jo uh, rookie Jordan Leggett is going to get some playing time too. So let's see. Uh, Josh McCown, uh, I mean, he was targeting Robbie Anderson often this preseason. I think if McCown is not the quarterback, we're going to see a different production from Robbie, who you guys know I'm a big fan of. So th that's it from the Jets side. So... I mean, for the Jets, for me, I'm not playing any of their wide receivers. I'm not playing any of their tight ends. I'm not playing Josh McCown. The only thing I'm interested in is the run game. Uh, is Bilal Powell just catching dump offs out of the backpack? Or is he working as a uh, true feature back? Or is Matt Forte going to be showcased to where they're going to give him you know, 32 carries against the Bills like they did last year early in the season. Are they going to showcase this guy for another team maybe as a potential late-round trade chip? It just, you know, you know, work them while you got them. Like, what, what other point do you have to have this guy on the roster if you're not going to get him work? So I sort of like Forte and, you know, Bilal Powell and Flex range. I think, I think Powell's probably a little bit higher just because of what we saw down the stretch. But anything can change with the way they deploy these two guys. But I still think Forte is definitely going to be a part of the plan this week. And we know Buffalo, you know, they got they got trampled on a, a couple different games last season in the run game. Yeah, oh yeah, they did. Now, question is, um, what's the news you're hearing? Is it going to be Peterman or is it going to be... Tyrod Taylor cleared to date clear? from concussion okay, protocol. So he'll be there. Uh, you know, I don't think he's a viable start right now until we... I mean, it, it is the Jets, so I think there is some viability to it, but the weapons are, you know, a major question mark right now. Jordan Matthews, Zay Jones, Charles Clay, like, are any of these guys inspiring? Like, you're going to throw check downs, and what else can they do? do? Do they have any yak ability, or are these guys all just catch and fall down options right now. We have to see them sort of put together an offense based around these guys uh, because I just don't see it right now and Tyrod has gotten a lot of reps with them. So the real only guy I want to start in this game pretty much is LaShawn McCoy. He's the only one with a high, high, high start potential for me. 
Uh, LaShawn McCoy, is, is, it's, it's going to be ridiculous for him this year. And I'm really happy that the Jonathan Williams hype is finally over because for some reason, people in Dynasty Leagues, and I know he was going as the RB3 in all drafts this year, on the, you know, by default, just based, but a lot of people are saying there's no way he's going to continue what he was doing last year. People are like, uh, we're overpaying for, for LaShawn McCoy this year, blah, blah, blah. It's 29, you know, it's just like, I don't know what it is, but... It's always the running back, too, in Buffalo that gets people excited. Look at Carlos <laughs> Williams and Jonathan Williams, and there was there was another. Uh, another I, Williams? I mean, they, they come and go. Evan Williams, my favorite. <laughs> um, there you go. So, there's literally, just so you know, sorry about this, but there's two helicopters roaming right over our f- friggin' building. There's airplanes going by. Obviously, we always have the trains. This is I'm, we're li- we're living in like Sim City right now, a video game. That's because there's like uh, they, they see a fire down here with all these hot takes we're about to spit out. They're, they're, <laughs> they're preparing for it. So Charles Clay is someone that I like uh, this game just because every Jets game it seems like tight ends just right through the middle just continue to beat up that secondary, and I. Demario Davis is back, but it's like, and he's going to get a whole bunch of tackles, but I think Charles Clay is going to be a big part of this game. I've said that a few times last year, and he kind of crapped out on all of us. He's got all this money, but I think they're going to, you know, show me what you got kind of season from Clay. Um, he's probably not start-worthy in 10 or 12-team leagues. He's probably right around that bubble. I've got him at tight end 14. So, right, yeah. so right, right on the edge, That's but... It's, that includes like Jack Doyle at tight end eleven, like so you could I could see a viability for Charles Clay starting over Jack Doyle with Scott Tolzien as, as the starting quarterback. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next game, which is the Eagles are going to be uh, playing against the Redskins. I'm just going to start off this by saying I can see uh, Kirk Cousins having he looked, it didn't look great in the preseason. The team looked like they were a little bit out of sorts. But I can see him getting off to a real nice start here. Yeah, Ronald Darby changes it a little bit. Uh, they are a little bit better at cornerback now after that trade of Jordan Matthews for this guy. So I think that's an improvement. Uh, the rest of the question, I don't know if they're deep enough at corner to contend with the weapons of Washington. We just need to see... The, the weapons of Washington sort of come together because Terrell Pryor hasn't done shit this preseason. Like, and he's, I've actually seen him dropping the ball, which is his, he's self-proclaimed. He's like, I don't drop the ball. And I've, I saw him drop two passes like that could have been nice plays. But yeah. then he comes back and makes an amazing catch. So The whole offense has seemed a little off with Washington. Oh, yeah. uh, but obviously it's, it's a timing issue with Terrell Pryor still getting the whole wide receiver position down. Um, Kirk, he's, his throws didn't look Great himself, you know. Uh, you know, Dawson's there now. He he was kind of in and out. Prior needs to be more consistent. But when these guys start, when they click, I think it's going to look really nice. And I, I am definitely looking forward to this game. It's a nice matchup for them to at least like kind of uh, flex their muscle a little bit and dry uh, brush off some of the rust. You know, it's like imagine if they were going up against the Patriots or a great defense. Uh, so they've got a good situation to kind of come out of the gates. And the and the issue with that is Philly is very very strong and sort of corner uh, linebacker and safety coverage. 
They're best at throwing to the tight end in Jordan Reed. So it's a little bit of a tough matchup for Reed. Maybe they'll have to get it done on the outside. And guys like Jameson Crowder, you know, going across the middle against these linebackers are going to have to play big dividends. But they are one of the best tight end defending teams in the league last year. Now, usually at tight end, the extremes stay and the middle just flip-flops. So I could definitely see Philadelphia with their depth at linebacker and the guys they have starting there, you know, being very good against the tight ends again. Speaking of tight ends, outside of Rob Gronkowski this week, I love Zach Ertz this week. Uh, yeah. Zach Ertz against Washington, I, I, he's, I think he's just going to have a heyday. Um, Wait, it's not week 16? No. <laughs> no I, I, but I, that, that'll awesome. happen then, too. <laughs> I think it's finally uh, Zach Ertz time. Uh, he may not consistently uh, produce all season, but against Washington's uh, linebackers, you know, Zach Brown's a tackle monster, but the thing is, none of them are going to be jumping. Uh, Zach Ertz is going to get open. They're not going to rely on Elshon and Jordan Matthews all the time, but it, not only do I like Zach Ertz, but I hope this is the week that Darren Sproles gets some damn respect in, in Philadelphia. It's all about LeGarrette Blount, and Philadelphia needs to bring in a real running back. Man, Darren Sproles, I don't care if he's like 115 years old. <laughs> this dude, is, it, he looked great last year still. I just wish he got more touches. And I think he's, he, every time he gets the ball in his hands, most times, he's making plays, and he, he's, he's setting them up for favorable outcomes. Yeah, I, I still think he's just going to stick to the role. But Zach Ertz, I love, especially with the you know, Sua Cravens stepping away from the team. You know, he was the one guy they really expected to come in at sort of that hybrid strong safety linebacker role and be their main tight end coverage guy. And now, basically a week before the season, he steps away. So now you're, you're scheming there on defense, like, hey, what the fuck do we do here? Especially we're going to play one of the ten best tight ends in football in Zach Ertz. So I, I love Ertz, especially, you know, in DraftKings where, you know, it's full point PPR. He has yet to score a touchdown against Washington in his career. But all the other numbers in terms of catches, yardage, they're there for him. He averages 13.5 fantasy points a game in PPR leagues against this Washington team. So I, I really like Ertz. You know, Alshon, he's going to have the tough matchup of Josh Norman, going to be probably a shadow corner. They they have said that they plan on deploying him like that. And while it might not mean every snap, it could be one of those games where you have to temper your expectations for Alshon Jeffrey. Um, so I, I don't like, you know, I'm not starting Alshon in any sort of DFS leagues or DFS plays. But, you know, in my regular leagues, I'd probably put him as a wide receiver three or a flex option. Uh, the rest of the guys, I'm not going to go out there starting Torrey Smith yet. Nelson Aguilar, that's the guy who's going to have to prove it to me before he even gets on a roster, let alone in my starting lineup. So the only guy I'm really starting there with any resolve is Zach Ertz. For wide receivers, I know... Most of you guys are going to have to play Elshon Jeffrey based on the draft capital you spent on him. But there's better chances and better odds than not that he will not be a wide receiver one this week. Um, I think he's going to be close. If this not year? I th- no, this week. <laughs> I, I think I have him around 13, 14 this week. Uh, I think the only wide receiver that matters is going to be Terrell Pryor. Um, you probably paid less 
floor prior than you did Elshon, or just about the same. Uh, if if you had to choose between the two, uh, what about Crowder? I play. Uh, I mean, I've got Crowder the highest ranked of all. Dude, I, yeah, I, I I definitely have uh, Pryor up there. Crowder, I think I have him outside the wide receiver one as well. I think it's good. I, I think Pryor scares me. Like I need to see him put it together with this offense. For all offseason, you were talking about how just he, the, the targets and such that he had and when, when he was with the Browns. It's calming down. There's the, he, they, he was the only option there um, once you know Coleman went down, and I, I hear you. And I, I kind of bought into it. I, I love a prior, but I didn't get him in any of my leagues in the league that I drafted tomorrow night. He's a keeper, so I'm not going to be able to get him. But uh, it'll be fun as hell to see him in the uh, you know in his on his new team if if he is getting peppered with targets by Kirk Cousins owners of him are going to be super fired up because that is the one kind of uh, that's the one unknown um, with him right now is it's still going to be the Crowder target fest and is is if Reed stays healthy where where are these um, touches going to come for prior. Sure. I, I mean, if, if we think it's going to be target fest for Crowder, I actually have him outside uh, the top twenty-four wide receivers this week. Uh, I think Pryor is going to be that guy. Just his size, and I think, I think Cousins is going to want to play it somewhat comfortably week one, just based on how they play this preseason. Let me skip to my big guy. Let's get some, uh, let, you know, let's get motivated. Let's get some receptions. I know Crowder has that, those safe pair of hands, but I think Crowder's going to have a really tough time, like getting open and, and, and breaking up the Darby Mills and you know Melvin Jenkins little little uh, zones and uh, covers that they do, but. Terrell Pryor, it's just, it's just so much bigger than those guys out there. It's, I don't think, I think his size advantage will come into play this week. I know that's a really, like, that's a really easy, you know, scapegoat or thing to say. You know, Terrell Pryor is going to win because of his size, but I think he will this week, and I, I, I think he's going to be a top ten wide receiver. He's fast as fuck too. He's yeah. big, strong, and fast. Um, all right, before we go on to our next game, uh, how about you do us a favor and help us keep the lights on? Listen to this. All right, the Raiders are heading to Nashville, and they're not going to listen to country music. They're going to play the Titans. What's going to happen on this one? A lot of exciting stuff. These are two teams that uh, had had some solid momentum last year, um, have a nice young nucleus of players uh, across the board um, at every at every skills position, and actually both teams have infused even more talent to their rosters this uh, offseason uh, let's start with the uh, visiting team in the Raiders. Marshawn Lynch, now uh, a Raider. Is this going to be something where uh, you guys thinking that he's going to get 20 carries, or do you think it's going to be uh, a three-headed monster and they want to just kind of keep him around to save him for the actual real time, deeper in the season, playoffs, and all that stuff? I mean, I've got him as a little bit more of a three-headed monster, but you know, there's touchdown upside with this guy. Uh, so I've got him just I've got him as a high end RB two this week, just because they could you know you could drive down the field on the Tennessee Titans and score against their defense and when you score you know Marshawn Lynch is going to have a chance at that. Uh, we saw that they ran the ball a lot in the red zone when they got in close with Latavius Murray. I think that's something that can continue with uh, Marshawn Lynch. So I'm liking his upside as just a touchdown scorer, but if he gets more than 18 touches this week, I'll be pro- I'll be pretty surprised. I think they're gonna you know, use him sparingly week to week, 
to where he's going to get 15 you know, carries in a game and maybe one or two catches. And then Rashard is going to be their primary third down back. And DeAndre Washington is their primary change of pace back. So I think they're all going to get used. I definitely you know, have no problem starting Lynch this week. I think I probably got him ranked higher than I did in season ranks. Just because you can you can run the ball on Tennessee a little bit. So is that like a 60-20-20? Is that a 50-25-25? What do you think? With Obviously with the uh, Marshawn being the first number. I think it's actually honestly going to be closer to that 50-25-25. That three-headed monster thing is going to be Oakland's go-to. Uh, and I think State Party really hit it on the head. Uh, everything he broke down right there is exactly how I think it's going to play out. Lynch's value is going to come from these touchdowns the same way Latavius made value last year. There's no way that they're going to let, you know, Richard and Washington just sit back like all game. They're going to get him involved because they are playmakers as well. Uh, Lynch spent a whole year off, and I know we saw him live in the preseason, but just that mentality of just running angry is, you know, and just having fun with it isn't the smartest thing to do. And Oakland knows that, hey, we can't let him have, like, 75% of these carries, not when we have the guys that we have behind him. So Sometimes if he gets going, though, you don't think they're going to feed the beast? I mean, if, if they get going, but I don't, the see, beast how, I don't, I don't see how he's going to run so well early in the game to where Richard and Washington won't be used. This is so, I mean, this is so awesome. We've said before this show. It's, 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 you just, we just don't know what's going to happen. There are so many new things happening across the gamut, across every team, as I'm sure there is every year, but it really just seems like this year there's just so much new newness and unknown. Uh, I'm so excited to keep an eye on all of these kind of storylines um, because then it's going to – I bet you week one player rankings for both of you guys will be a bit easier – week two will be a bit easier than week one. Let's just put it that way. Um all right, so let's talk about the Raiders. Move past the We talked about the backfield. Derek Carr, will you guys like him in, in this matchup? Uh, let's just pit the two young studs against each other that we've been pitting uh, against each other on ADP and draft slot all year. Who do you think has a better week one, Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota? Marcus Mariota, uh, by means of Delaney Walker, by means of Rashard Matthews, uh, by means of Eric Decker. Um, they said that they're going to you know, bring in Corey Davis situationally. Um, but I, I think Mariota is going to you know, spread the ball around just enough, the same way Derek Carr will. But I think Marcus Mariota, with his mentality, using his legs a little bit more, I think they're going to maintain a better time of possession. Uh, just with uh, DeMarco Murray, Derek Henry, the receivers, the tight end, everything going on. I like Jared Cook there in, uh, in Oakland, too. And I know Oakland's got Amari and Crabtree. But I, I really like Mariota this year to the point where I almost put him as my QB one this week, almost. But uh, I felt like this guy. I don't QB know if overall heard, number one. I don't know if you heard of him, but uh, I actually left this guy called Aaron Rodgers is uh, is QB one this week. No, come on, Tom Brady. He's a cork soaker. Uh, so I'm on Team Mariota. Like the Tennessee defense got a little bit better this off season. Did that happen in Oakland? You know, I'm still waiting for someone to show me that. Cordero Patterson, man. Yeah, yeah. What does that do for their defense? Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> you guys uh, didn't throw up the defense flag. I was kind of hanging, <laughs> hanging back there thinking about my Pat- Patterson vibes. <laughs> Got some strong Patterson vibes? Oh, gosh. I don't. But, uh, 
you know, just looking at it, like the improvement on that defense seems non-existent. And when Marcus Mariota played soft schedule and plays soft defenses, he goes off for 25 to 30 fantasy points. So I like Mariota as a value play in DVFS. He's a mid-range sort of back-end QB1 in pricing. Um, and then I, I think he is a strong, strong start for you this week. Oakland's got nothing on defense. They're over there putting, you know, the guy they drafted in the second round, Ovi Malinafu, that big hybrid player from UConn, who's just a freak athlete and like six foot four, playing safety. He's their guy that they brought in to cover tight ends and cover slot receivers. But now he's going on IR for the first, and so you won't see him for eight weeks. Mm. So. Delaney Walker, Eric Decker out of the slot, Rashard Matthews getting extra snaps because of Corey Davis not being in there, and probably even some Taewon Taylor because Corey Davis isn't getting that full complement of snaps. Tajay Sharp, you know, they put him on IR, so it looks like he's going to be gone for at least, you know, half the year, if not the full year. But nobody's worried about that guy anymore. And DeMarco Murray, he's another strong start. The Raiders probably have the worst linebacking core in the NFL. When we talk about their off-ball linebackers and how they tackle and things along those lines. So DeMarco Murray, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, should be able to do whatever he wants. You know, Corey James, uh, rookie last year, he's actually being put in the situation this year. I think he's going to make a name for himself this season. It's going to be a really tough game for him this year, uh, this week. But I think this game's going to be fun. We're talking about two young quarterbacks that people really like to watch, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. This is going to be a high-scoring game because neither of these defenses, even though State Party talked about how Tennessee did improve and Oakland's, you know, they're a little stout at the line, but other than their linebackers, maybe, uh, you know, Khalil Mack and Corey James, neither of these defenses are really good plays this week. I, I think the, we're looking at a 50 and a half uh, points. Uh, I think it's there on the on the cover for the spreads, and I, I think they can see that. Do you? I'm, I got a question over Twitter from a guy named uh, Diego Nunez, uh, and he was asking who should you uh, start at, at quarterback, Mariota or Kirk Cousins this week? Uh, Marcus Mariota's my play this week. I, 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 re- I really Diego like needs to know the answer. He needs to know the answer. This Nunez guy. See, I, I hope Nunez knows that that steak party's here, squinting his eyes. It's really this is a good question. That he does. The steak party is he does. Believe me, it's because they're back to back in the ranks. So yeah, it's yeah. like, where? What did I do there? Uh, I backed Kirk Cousins slightly ahead by two spots, but okay. it's nothing. It's nothing to write home about. No, Kirk Cousins. I think I, he's top five for me as well. But I'm just I'm gonna go with my guy. I really like uh, Mariota's matchups this week, and all his weapons are healthy. Love it. And I think they're just going to continue from where they were last year. That, I think it's Plus great. Eric Decker. I think it's great news, sorry, for ta- uh, um, for uh, what's the guy, Tajay Sharp, that he's got hurt. But Tawan Taylor, it looked like they, they were really trying to get him the ball. They were trying to, they, he was doing reverses. They were giving him handoffs. He, he, he got a lot of opportunities. They seemed to, th- I, I, it looked like that they want to get the ball in his hands and think he's a playmaker. So I could see some action like uh, for him, and um, he could be an exciting little young young guy that can just help bring even that next dimension for Mariota and the rest of the guys. Uh, anything else on this game? 
Anything else you need? No. I mean, I, I just start both Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree yeah. against these corners. Absolutely. Amari Cooper's a real, real strong play. Uh, there's This is one of those games where if you drafted him as a starter, there's no reason. Like, this is fucking green light. Green light. All right, let's do it. Um, next game is going to be the Buccaneers are at the Dolphins. Wait, is hold it? on. Is it? <laughs> it sounds like what, Sags? Are they moving it? When, when will we know if this game is being played in Week 11? We won't know anytime soon, so we might as well talk about it. So we're going to talk about this game, but there's a chance from what we, we're hearing so, this game will get pushed to Week 11. So you have so basically Hurricane Irma is coming in. The game will not be played in South Florida this week. That's the already official part. So they're looking at maybe a neutral site, depending on where they can get it set up. It has to be a fully equipped NFL stadium because of their new replay features. Uh, They've got these guys on the field. They've got to have these camera angles. So you can't go to any sort of college mom-and-pop shop and play a game. It's got to be fully set up. Uh, but it could also be moved to week 11 as both teams have their bye weeks in that week. But that would mean 16 weeks of straight football for everybody. But So you have to prepare for eventuality. So right now we don't know about Ezekiel Elliott, and a lot of people drafted Jaquiz Rogers as one of the fill-ins for him this week. If he's gone, you know, you got to pay attention to that. you got to be able to move around. And you're probably going to end up taking – you know, a number that you don't really like in that spot. You know, that's just one of the things that happen in football that's crazy, and you can't really predict it. But if the game is played, you know, Jaquiz Rogers is a start. Miami's been trampled on in the run game. Mike Evans, are you going to sit him? No. Their base, their base set, according to their depth chart, is that um, two tight end set. So Deshaun looks like a potential play. Um, and between these two tight ends, none are probably safe plays for you this week. But are they tight end twos and threes of dark rows that you're just hooking for a touchdown? Absolutely. You're talking about OJ and Bray? OJ and Bray. I think that, um, yeah, Ajayi and Jaquiz are great plays. Um, you know. I don't have Jaquiz that high, like, because they're talking about how they're going to use Charles Sims as still the passing game component, use Jaquiz as the rushing component, and sort of, you know, use Peyton Barber as a sort of hammer. So it, it gives me a little bit of pause on Jaquiz. I think he's more of an RB2 than he is... A locked-in RB1 has to be in your lineup if this game goes on. And that's almost where I was going with it. Uh, Jaquiz is like that fringe RB1 kind of player. He has the opportunity to give you RB1 week, week one. And for a replacement for Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, what more could you ask for? Um, Those are the only two guys I'm probably looking at for running backs. I don't think anyone – I wouldn't be playing a Charles Sims in my flex. Uh, For wide receivers, it's going to be the Mike Evans show. Um, I, I'm not sure how I feel about Deshaun Jackson this week. I think I have him kind of as a wide receiver four, but that is my buy my, my bias against Jameis Winston a little bit as a as a an NFL quarterback. I think he's a little overhyped. Uh, I know I've mentioned this before. Um, he's going to rely on his tight ends, but you know who knows what that timeshare is going to look like between. You know they're going to be running a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, I think they're going to rely on the run game a lot against Miami. Um, if we're talking about uh, you know, 
if we're talking about QBs, I wouldn't want to start either Winston nor Color this week. I know Color is not even a, a play for anyone, but there's there's people out there. You know, some of these uh, fans people, that, people that love just want to have fun. I got to play Smoking Jay. You know, he's back, so they're gonna play him. I wouldn't. I mean, there's there's twenty some other better options out there. I think than both of these quarterbacks this week. But uh, um, uh, Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry, it's going to be really hard to choose between those two because they can have a very similar stat line, and that's going to hurt them both, especially when you're looking for a wide receiver too that week because you might not get that out of either of them. Mike I'm staying Evans, away from both those Yeah, that's it. It's going to be Mike Evans and Jay Ajayi are your locks, and Jaquiz Rogers could you know, be a little bit of a breadwinner this week. I mean, I, I like Devontae Parker the best. The rapport he's shown with Jay Cutler has been great, but right now, if he's you know if this game is not going to play, you know prepare for other guys. These guys are guys that should be in your flex or in your wide receiver three slot, so you should have other options. Uh, you know Jarvis Landry, you know I think he's also in the wide receiver three flex range. Jay just hasn't shown that ability to support a player of Jarvis Landry's ilk. He doesn't like that short, and he'd rather just attack the deep outsides of the field. So uh, it gives me some pause. Julius Thomas, you know, he's another one of those dart throw, tight end twos, touchdown or bust type of plays. Uh, But Ajayi is a strong play if this game were to go on. Okay, so keep your eyes on that. It might be that is crazy though. If they do push this game and they play in week eleven, the poor guys have got to play from week two all the way through the end of the season without a night, without a break. And you know something's gonna happen. One dude's gonna get hurt sometime throughout the season on either of these teams, and it's gonna get thrown back to the NFL. Play. The NFL PA is gonna have a friggin' heyday. You know, um, not to mention it's like, what do these guys do? You know, they're have a whole extra week off now. That's gotta mess with your head. Especially when it's like a countdown through the preseason. It's like four, three, two, one, one more. You know what I mean? If you're an actual football player, imagine how that feels. Imagine if the the league said, you know what, actually we're going to push... We're gonna push the league uh, week one back. It's all about one rhythm. Week. It's got to oh, man flip out. We're yeah, not. Even, I, we don't even play. I'd be mad. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, keep an eye on that one. Hopefully, they actually find a place that's NFL um, legit and they play that game because nah, they should. Uh, anyway, Irma sounds like such innocent innocent name, but it's not. Let's go on to the Jaguars at the Texans. Jaguars, let's start with them. Let's start with the visiting team as we like to do. Bortles. I mean, this is another game. I mean, this is another game that had interesting weather aspects too. It's going to be held in Houston after Harvey, and they've already quickly got up a lot of that infrastructure back up. They think they're going to be fine to play this game in Houston, so nothing's changing there, and that's an interesting weather aspect uh, as well. But Blake Bortles is probably going to. Throw like a hurricane, throw into some winds, and probably probably not be that good. I don't have, like right now. I cannot trust Blake Bortles as a starter because this could be one of those teams where hey, before he had a leash to throw two picks, does he have that leash to throw two picks anymore? I mean, they've got Chad Henney. They released Brandon Allen, who was probably their best looking quarterback in the preseason until he got. You know, demolished in week four, but 
you know, does he still have that long leash to throw a couple picks in a game without getting pulled? And that's what scares you because before you knew if he threw two picks, great. They come back later, throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and end up with the 40 point game because your league is fucking stupid scoring. <laughs> yeah, that, that leash is gone. I mean, after a few underthrows or overthrows, that team is just gonna. They're, they're all going to start, like, talking amongst themselves. Like, it's, it's going to kill the morale. Like, here we go again. Freaking, freaking Blake, man. You know what I mean? Um, I, top 20, absolutely not. I, I, you know, he'd be lucky, in my opinion, to, you know, even put up a top 25 week. I, I just think they're going to, like, not keep the ball in his hands. They're going to see what Leonard Fournette's all about. They're going to they're gonna give uh, Blake some some easy uh, check downs to, to his guys. And we may see some TJ Yeldon and, you know, uh, Ivory mixed in just to give, you know, Fournette uh, just a breather. Be like, hey, Rookie, your first game, I know you're awesome talent, but let's see what you got first. But I, I think Fournette's going to get plenty of carries this game. That volume usually turns into scoring opportunities. It could. Um, I don't think anyone here is a really great play. I don't even really love Allen Robinson this week. Um, man, the Jags, it's just going to be its gonna be another one of those years. Where we, we obviously will have to see what they do in these first few weeks, see how the quarterback situation shakes out. I hope Blake Bortles gets some consistency. I don't, I don't think he's a great quarterback, but as long as we get consistency, that's good for us in fantasy football. Because then we know everything associated with Blake Bortles, the Allen Robinsons, the Leonard Fournette, and, and uh, so on, and all the Ben Koyaks, you know. Um, the thing is, you know, Houston should be a very, 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 very stout run defense this year. They you get, will be. You get J.J. Watt back. You finally have J.J. and uh, J. Davion Clowney at, at sort of peaks. Like, Jadavion Clowney played his fucking ass off down the stretch. Uh, now with Merciless uh, and other guys that they have in this defense, like, it's fucking dirty. Oh, yeah. Like, their front seven is dirty. They did lose, you know, A.J. Boye to the same Jacksonville team. What do they have at cornerback in terms of depth to be able to play sort of coverage on a guy like Allen Robinson now? Uh, that's the main question mark. They lost. They lost Will Fork to barbecuing. Yeah, well, they probably lost that a long time ago. But uh, they are just so Kingsford. deep. They are so deep along the defensive line, and just the players that they have there are insane talents that I'm scared for any running back. But the opportunities are going to be there for Leonard Fournette. Uh, they are just so deep there, and, and they lost what Quentin Demps to the Bears or. One of their safeties who you know picked off seven passes. Do they have any sort of depth along the defensive backfield? You know, a lot of these guys are coming back from injuries uh, themselves last year. Can they put it together and be a dominant defense rather than maybe a funnel defense where they are forced to throw the ball against this team? Because if so, that could just mean they're forcing targets to A-Rob. But weird thing on the depth chart for the Jags, they have demoted Allen Robinson and put your boy Keelan Cole up, and also D.D. Westbrook is listed as their number two wide receiver. And he looked sweet this preseason. Uh, he had a dominant preseason. Yeah, I was actually going to, uh, you kind of stole my thunder there. And, uh, Perfect. Uh, I Keelan, appreciate you. <laughs> so you did your job. Keelan Cole, I mean, there was little hints for a little while that Keelan Cole could be started, uh, starting week one. 
Um, you know, uh, undrafted out of Kentucky Wesleyan. Uh, this guy. Powerhouse. You know, yeah, you know, one of those, uh, you know, yeah, heavyweight conferences. Um, and he was born on 420. Hey. Hey. Um, I was thinking, I kind of wanted to get big. <laughs> so, Alan Hearns, I think it's going to be coming around where he just really isn't that great of a wide receiver. He benefited off of volume two years ago. He hasn't stayed healthy. Marquise Lee has injury history as well. Um, I think he's even a little banged up right yeah, he's now. Up right now. Uh, so, Keelan Cole is a guy that wound up in the starting lineup with a lack of options around him. It could be Alan Robinson and Keelan Cole. And we know how much, you know, even though I said that they're not going to want to keep the ball in Bortles' hands, they're also going to want to win football games, so they're going to probably have to. And as A-Rob's double-triple team, uh, you might have a guy, Keelan Cole, who scores a touchdown. So I, I think a lot of people are going to hear about this guy after week one. It's not going to stay, you know, he's like a dynasty stash kind of guy. I'm not saying this guy's going to be a superstar yep. in 2017, but this is the week you hear about Keelan Cole if you haven't already. Uh, and I think he's a great dynasty stash. I think he's going to prove to be a better receiver and a healthier, more consistent option than an Alan Hearns or a Marquise Lee. With a Leonard Fournette, first uh, pro, first game as a pro, obviously highly touted, highly drafted. Where do you guys have him ranked uh, this week, uh, heading into this matchup? Seventeenth among running backs. Okay. Uh, I actually haven't finalized these yet, but he's definitely an RB one for me. And I know that Houston. I, Totally agree. Everything about Houston's defense is, is, is scary to think about. But as they throw, I think it's going to have these guys pull back ever so slightly. And I think Fournette's the kind of runner who can bust through these friggin' uh, defensive linemen. They're, they're going to game plan around Leonard Fournette, who is, you know, I was going to say the best player on the team, Allen Robinson is that, but he is up there as he is their guy. They're going to they're gonna game plan around the best players on their team. They're going to want to keep the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands. That means a little bit of not so much A-Rob. And Leonard Fournette, they're going to hand him the rock. And hopefully he gets a goal line carry. Hopefully they make it that far. And he's going to bust out a couple of runs. I think he's going to just – I think he's going to be fine. Exciting. I, I'm, a, I'm a volume guy. If a guy that I see is going to get volume – He's definitely going to put up a, have a great week. I mean, it's it's usually in the numbers there. Yep, yep. Well, hopefully the facilitator Blake Bortles isn't going to be uh, uh, putzing it out and can uh, pull his head out of his ass. Last year, he was really painful for anybody that had fantasy owners, uh, fantasy players that needed Blake to serviceably get them the ball. Uh, let's go over quickly to the offensive side of the ball for the Texans. DeAndre, big. Big bucks, big bucks, no whammies. Um, get over. Uh, talk to him. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm digging. Uh, going up against Jacksonville, he's going to have some tough, tough corner coverage. They're going to have guys like you know Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, and just depth at that position to throw at. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm a little bit, you know, overall concerned. I think he's more of a wide receiver two, wide receiver three uh, on the week because of the corner coverage. And we saw Jalen Ramsey really come on strong down the stretch and play sort of a shadow role. But with Boye, they might not need to have him do as much of that. You know, Hopkins is a guy who's practiced against Boye every day, uh, you know, for what, three or four years now. Uh, you know, with the Houston Texans when he was previously there, so that that's something that's gonna be a big time matchup. 
But other than that, their lack of depth at receiver because of sort of injuries this preseason, you know, with Will Fuller, you know, having his collarbone and uh, Wendell Williams being released with an eye injury settlement. So the depth at wide receiver, Braxton Miller's had a hamstring. Uh, guys have been strong and suspended. Strong suspended for week one. Like, who else are they going to throw it to besides DeAndre Hopkins? Is, is that, it Bruce Ellington time? I mean, Bruce so, uh, rises Bruce, from the grave and he puts looked on pretty show. good in a couple spots. Yeah, Bruce spot is But besides that, you know, the depth isn't there at receiver. I mean, they can maybe only go two or three deep, so you're looking at the tight ends. This should be a spot where Fedorowicz can play, but the linebackers for the Jags should be able to move. Uh, they're they're all speedy guys, so that that's going to be tough for you know a guy like Fedorowicz who isn't the most fleet of foot, but he does have size. Uh, besides that, you know Ryan Griffin probably not a play. Lamar Miller, you know he's probably one of the best plays on the team this week, but they are saying Dante Foreman could be back from his little missed preseason escapade to be able to carry the rock a couple times. Yeah, totally agree. I am... DeAndre Hopkins is another one of those players where you're nearly forced to start in week one. It just sucks that you have to play him because I do not want to play him this week. Um, Like you were saying with uh, Ramsey and um, Bouye, I mean, he's going to be shut down. And I think Savage is going to have a tough time. It's going to be a bad week for the Houston Texans. It's going to be Lamar Miller. who They're going to play the run as well. I wouldn't even want to play him, but you got to. I do see Alfredorowicz. He should be able to make some plays this game, but I mean, it's it's not giving you much or you know too much confidence to put in to play these guys. I, I would totally you know I, I wish I could avoid them, but you got to play your Hopkins, you got to play your Lamar Millers. I mean, you, you you paid the price. You probably don't have better options, and it's not worth the risk in Week One. Everyone screws up Week One. Just play your guys. You know, whoever you feel comfortable with, uh, because you're just going to hate yourself in the end if you pay the second round pick for a guy. And <laughs> then what I was just thinking. Yeah. You should be beating, you're hitting yourself, kicking yourself in the ass. Um, exciting. Okay. Well, before we get on to the next matchup here, uh, do us a favor and listen, take, listen to these words from our sponsors. All right. We're getting uh, rocking here with the Cardinals at. The Lions. Um, Breaking news. What happened? Ezekiel Elliott's suspension is upheld for the first six game ban for the first six games of the season. So it looks like you won't have Zeke in week one. Or two. Or two. Or, or three. three. Or and four. I think people got the point here. <laughs> can, I, can I take a five? Oh, Dogmatica took him in the first round in our old school draft. Pick number seven? Ooh. Six, maybe? You know what? I mean, I still had him as my running back 11 just because I thought that, you know, at best, if even if the suspension was upheld, I would expect it to go back to four, three games, or, if, you know, if they were just going to let this thing ride out into court, he'd be playing week one. But this really sucks. I, I mean... I, I, told, I told you... Uh, so... No, no, I told you. They've never reduced suspension for, you know, domestic violence. This is what's been agreed upon, you know, since their last CBA, six games. They gave it up for it. Uh, and 
that's the only thing. The evidence may, may or may not be there, but they've never reduced the suspension for this type of inquiry, and that can't start now. And now that you sort of have the precedent from the Tom Brady uh, extravaganza in courts the last couple years, like you've got precedent to just throw this case out in appeals. So what's the when they go through like? What are we, we're going to expect them to go to court and not to get thrown out quickly? Right. And I'm not even going to get into it. And I hope we really don't as well. But it's like, I, I just want like a lot of the listeners here, a lot of people may disagree with it. But we and you and everyone else that we probably get in this circle jerk of fantasy football with, we know much, much less than these guys that make these decisions. Just, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it. Move on, guys. Hopefully you got your Jaquiz Rogers. Hopefully he's playing. He's probably not going to play week one, so just figure it out this week. I mean, to be honest, you knew this was probably going to happen. Probably. Yeah. You were, it was wishful thinking over the last two weeks. Um, at the end of the day, we've got to get uh, people – can't be beaten up on chicks, so you got to set precedence and uh, let's, let's see. So Hopefully uh, Heartbeat's okay about this. I'm pretty sure he's about to go into like a, a 50-tweet rant oh, no. disagreeing with the decision. Oh, no. Um, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the Cardinals visiting the Lions. And you start with the, the, the guy who had a, the great – one of the, the best – Fantasy season in the last 10, 12 years last year. David Johnson, does he get this party rolling real quickly this year? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, my, my running back, too, this week, I, I had a tough time flipping between him and Le'Veon. They both got favorable matchups, in my opinion, especially Le'Veon. So, I mean, I had to keep Le'Veon at one. But, uh, I mean, David Johnson's just so much different. You, you watch every single game of his last year and see how much they use him in the passing game as well. And he gets past that first level more times than not. It, it just looks so. It looks so much better than any of the other, you know running backs that you're watching today. When you go back and actually take the time to watch David Johnson, and there's no doubt in my mind that he's just going to carve up this Lions uh, line and the secondary. He's going to have himself a field day. He's he's going to. You're going to get your uh, your value uh, that you drafted him at 101 or 102 overall this week for sure. Uh, those uh, he was one he was one one everywhere. No, really, no leagues were taking uh, Bell just because he was he, he held out. But um, are you getting thirty touches like they've been whispers and the franchise is saying and he's talking? Or are you thinking this year it's going to be a thousand thousand? Let's let's stick to one game. I get excited for all the big picture stuff. But uh, what are your thoughts, Staggy? Play David Johnson. Play all David right, Johnson. let's go to the wide receivers. Um, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, you're full of hot takes on, on, on David Johnson today. I mean, like, there, there's no reason for us to talk about David Johnson. We're not going to talk about him much during the season. It's the start of the season. Today, let's have our fun. Some fun with him. <laughs> yeah. Because literally, you know who's getting 30 touches this week? Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> they're oh. going to feed this guy the ball. Larry's he, getting it? His, the, the coverage they have on him are so, are so weak. Uh, like, we're talking about guys that barely belong in the league playing, <laughs> playing across from Larry Fitzgerald. He's just going to eat them alive. I've got Larry Fitzgerald. It's like a back-end wide receiver one. Uh, strong play. I want all the Larry Fitzgerald I can get. Um, what about what about Brown? I mean, he looked good. I, I'm probably going to fade him a little bit because he'll probably see the Darius Slays of the world yep. uh, get pushed around a little bit because of that guy's size. 
I'm not I'm not a fan of John Brown. Like he's somebody I'm gonna have to see put it together for a couple weeks this season to have a lot of trust in. I think I've got him as a wide receiver for flex. Like still in consideration, but not not anywhere near my starting lineup personally. Agreed. Um, you know, Jermaine Gresham, another tight end two dart throw. You're starting David Johnson. Carson Palmer, I think, is in line for a pretty strong week. Uh, I've got him as a QB2, you know, high-end QB2, but I think in DFS, there's there's some ways that you could stack him and David Johnson and, you know, have one of those unconventional stacks, um, but still see a boatload of points. And you could even also throw on a Larry there and get some, get some nice little points. Larry? The Darius Slay matchup for John Brown is a big deal, and Jaron Brown is probably the Brown I like more this week. But we should not be looking past the Larry Fitzgeralds of, of, of this game. I, I know some people probably have Smokey Brown out in their lineups and considering a flex play. I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, Darius Slay has, has played very well uh, ever since he came this season. He's been kind of uh, a success story, you, you may say. Um, but Jaron Brown could be that kind of th- that guy that gets that that one touchdown. You know, I, I do like him a little bit in DFS a little bit more than John Brown. Larry Fitzgerald is always going to be a value play. It seems like, um, and based on the price they paid him in your drafts, he might even be one of your flex plays. He could be your wide receiver three if you played your cards right, and that's a great flex play in itself. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's Larry Fitzgerald. It's the David Johnsons, Carson Palmer. You probably don't need to start based on the other options unless you're in two QB or super flex league. Carson Palmer is going to score points. Uh, very frequently all season. I, I think he's a great play this week against uh, Detroit's, Detroit's defense. Cool. Let's go to the uh, Lions side of the ball. Um, what are you guys uh, feeling? The, the richest player in the NFL? Uh, for now. That'll change within the next week or two when one of these other quarterbacks get their money. Uh, but Matthew Stafford, newly minted. Uh, is he getting ready? They, they what, 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 First off, who do you think wins this game? I mean, is this... Uh, I think it's got to be Arizona. What do you I, think? I think Detroit's overrated after last season. They won too many sort of one-score games. Uh, I don't think they, they're going to be able to slow it down against Arizona's offense as much as they'd like. And I don't think they have the firepower in terms of a pass rush to hurt Carson Palmer. So that's my main concern. Cool. Uh, what do you think happens for the Lions side of fantasy football? I, I think we're going to see a little bit of a share the workload between Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. I do like Marvin Jones a little bit this week, and I think Tate has a, a tough matchup himself, obviously. Uh, My thing is Patrick Peterson doesn't go in the slot. Tate's apparently playing a lot more slot now after the Anquan Bold and you know departure and free agency. So I like Tate a lot more than I like Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, I, I think, could be locked down by Patrick Peterson on a lot of snaps. And when it's not him, then it's likely to be him on Kenny Galladay. Uh, but I'm probably avoiding Marvin Jones if I can. I'm not starting Kenny Galladay. Uh, so it's between guys like Eric Ebron and Golden Tate for me. I think Ebron's you know, a back-end tight end one. And I like Golden Tate as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, depending on your scoring system. Other guys, you know, I'm not. I'm pretty high on Amir Abdullah. I think he's got uh, some back end RB two appeal and Theo Riddick. 
know, he's another running back three flex. I like Theo Riddick probably uh, more than Amir uh, this week, just based on how I think Detroit's going to play the ball. I don't think Tate nor Marvin Jones are great plays this week, and I think each of them are going to limit one another, um, you know, in scoring. And even to put up, I don't think they are going to come close to a wide receiver two output. But, I mean, with knowing Matthew Stafford and him just, you know, throwing with cash falling out of his pockets as often as he does, it, there is a possibility. But I think a lot, a lot of those balls and plays are going to go to Theo Riddick this week. Yeah, I also think they're going to use Amir Abdullah in the receiving game. Like, we've seen it this preseason, them try to get the ball in his hands out on the edges and not try to only run him, uh, you know, in between the tackles. So I, I like the aspect of him becoming early in the passing game, becoming involved early, and then sort of running off of that. So I, I'm liking for them to try to make a little bit of a statement with their run game. You know, we saw them revamp their offensive line, and even just last week they traded Lake and Tomlinson to the San Francisco 49ers to try and have a solidified group. Now they've got to put it together against the Cardinals, who probably aren't as strong along the defensive line anymore after Clayus Campbell, but they still do have some players on that defense. While they still have some players, don't be surprised if both Carson Palmer and Matthew Stafford are QB ones this week. Cool. Uh, I was waiting for like some sort of audio or something, but we don't do that <laughs> when Houdini's not around. Um, anyway, I, I like it. Okay, so we pretty much covered that game. Let's, I'm excited to see both those. I, I, I don't really have too many things going on with the Cardinals, uh, but I am excited to see how the Lions use their offense. Um, let's go to... The Falcons coming to Chicago, and I was looking on uh, on Vivid Seats uh, a couple weeks ago. I was shocked at how expensive the tickets were, and then last week, and they were still expensive, and I talked to Houdini, and he gave me the reason why. Basically, Georgia is at Notre Dame on Saturday, oh. and as a result, a lot of Georgia people, i.e. Falcons fans, are coming to Chicago and getting a two-for-one in the Midwest. So the tickets, I wanted to go see my boy Julio. Still might. I'm not going to say I won't. I probably might. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking bear seats were going to be like 75 bucks for uh, whatever seats, and they're not at all. There's, they're like uh, these Georgia fans are all up here making the tickets expensive. So anyway, um, let's start with the visitor and start with um, coming up to obviously that, that, that terrible Super Bowl loss that we talked about on the flip side for the Patriots. Is this going to be a rough season for them, a la what we saw last year with, with Cam and the Panthers? And This is just big picture questioning. Or do you think they're going to get right into it and be uh, a fantasy stalwart? I think... You know, Atlanta's going to fucking trounce the Bears. It, it's Chicago. They're not good. Like, you, Their best asset is in their front seven. But even there, they, they, their depth is questionable. They let go of a lot of guys who have been their best sort of playmakers in the preseason, let go of a lot of their you know pass rush depth. So if anything were to happen to Leonard Floyd, they'd be extremely thin at the outside linebacker position. Um, so, you know, they're extremely thin at nose tackle with Eddie Goldman. So I think Devonta Freeman in that offensive line should be able to do whatever they want. Um, 
you know, Chicago was tough against opposing running backs last season, um, and now get some you know health hopefully back in their inside linebackers. Uh, that could make a difference in the receiving game for these uh, pass catching backs. But I still I'll still see Freeman doing well this week. Uh, I'm more worried about Tevin Coleman's overall workload. But this could be one of those games where a new offensive coordinator has to really feed his playmakers and then you know, run shot plays for the other players to see what they really have. Because we don't know what the system's going to look like compared to Shanahan's system. I think they're going to have to run some new things, some new wrinkles to see what's more effective and which we, you know, how he plans to use these guys. So that, that's something I'm looking forward to is his deployment of each player. But Julio, Devonta, Freeman, you know, start, start. Yeah, when you got a new guy calling uh, plays, coming in with such stud bag players like Julio and Freeman, um, he, he's kind of got to feed them so he doesn't get off on the wrong foot with them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they, they've got a bigger voice in that locker room and for that franchise than he does. Um, so you got to give them – give them – give – feed – Feed the mouths that have been feeding the team for a while, or else those players will bite the hand that is supposed to feed them. With forcing, you know, as you guys talk about, and all the changes, the obvious changes and whatnot, I think a lot could go wrong as well. If that uh, offense doesn't click and they don't give Chicago the benefit of the doubt of being just, a, you know, an NFL team, it could be a trap game. I, it could be a lot closer than we think. While I do think this is Atlanta's game to win, it's also their game to lose. Um, they have, a, I think, the, the spread is seven points in Atlanta's favor right now. And I would not be surprised based on how much Chicago's going to have to throw that ball later in the game and picking on the, you know, um, those corners if they're going to, you know, be able to cover that spread, Atlanta be able to cover that spread. I think, I think Mike Lennon is going to try to prove something. And I think that knowing that they've had all offseason to game plan for Atlanta – I think they might have a few tricks up their sleeve to try to be like, hey, look, we got a, we got some new guys in town. We got a, a new thing going on, and we really are serious about making this football team better. So I don't know. I, I don't think this is an easy game for Atlanta. I think it could be one of those trap games, the, the, the classic trap games. And while I don't think Atlanta's going to choke as bad as they did in the Super Bowl, I, I just think it's going to be a tight game that could come to the, down to the fourth quarter, uh, you know, field goal type of situation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but Tevin Coleman's the one player that's really up in the air for me. Is he sort of a flex player for you? You got him a little bit higher than that because of his ability to take it, you know, to the house from anywhere on the field. But I'm not... Like, I'm a Tevin Coleman owner in a couple different leagues, and I don't feel great about it. Like, the strength of the Bears is in the front seven. I don't know if they're going to have, you know, giant running lanes for him to go through. And if it's just going to be him in the receiving game, I don't know if he's going to break off touches like he did last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people that are Tevin Coleman owners are, are, are fearful of such things. Um, are you got anything else you want yeah, to? You want to I do. I, I think Tevin Coleman will be um, a pretty good part of the matchup this week. I wouldn't be surprised if the, the carry workload or the touch workload is closer to like 60-40. Uh, you know, we might see them just legitimately go into a, a true committee like 50-50 and ride the hot hand. 
Um, like we've seen, you know, sure we've seen this in years past, but I think we're going to see a little bit more frequently than more of a boomer bust kind of thing. I think they're going to share the load. We might see them score similarly. We could see them both put up, you know, RB2 numbers, both Freeman and Coleman. A lot of pundits out there are thinking that it, it Freeman's going to be a, uh, a machine this year. They think that I hope it's so. not going to be that way, but um, but I, I it's great backfield to have. They got a great situation, and their uh, implied point total for in Vegas is the highest of any uh, of all 32 teams, um, just below 30 points. So Vegas thinks they're going to be putting up a big one on the Bears. Um, whether it's a, a, a tougher game and they're underestimating the Bears or not is yet to be seen. We shall see. It'll be exciting. Let's move on to the Bears' side of the ball and their offense. Obviously, um, you know, kind of had a had a brutal uh, preseason. Lost Cam Meredith. That sucks. Um, I think it offers some opportunity for a guy like Kendall Wright, but he's no Cam Meredith. Uh, and you know, we know we know now that the Napoleon Dynamite is the starting quarterback for Week One. What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts and Talk about the, let's talk about the quarterback, tight end, wide receiver spot first, and then we'll go into the highest ranked uh, or drafted bear uh, in Jordan Howard. Uh, Zach Miller, I, I, he's going to be one of those guys who you're going to consider playing most weeks just because, especially after the injury to Cameron Meredith, you're like, well, someone's going to have to start getting more, more of these targets, but can Zach Miller stay healthy? Like, you know, he has issues with every year. Um, I think Kendall Wright is going to struggle. I think we know Kevin White is probably going to struggle. Marcus Wiggins, I think he's still a little, uh, his fingers were yeah. still hurt. I don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. I think he will be. I think he might be the biggest beneficiary for Mike Lennon, just, you know, moving that football. Jordan Howard's going to move them chains. Tarek Cohen could be a factor right away. Uh, week one, especially with the Meredith injury, they're going to, Cohen's going to be a playmaker. I think we saw what he brings to the table in the preseason, and I, I'm glad that he kind of popped there in the preseason and had the opportunity to do so. Uh, because it came at a good time, especially when Meredith got hurt. So I think they may throw They need me. that dimension. They yeah, need that unknown. They, they, they want that the poor man's Terry Kill. And I, I, think, I think he has the capability to do so, but it's all about the coaching. And it's all about how they work him into it, the game plan surrounding it. Because if they're going to be hesitant to put the ball in his hands, it's not going to work out. They, they literally just have to... Here's a whole bunch of touches, like here's 10 touches a game in some shape or form. He'll make him work on, you know, six six of them at least, I would think. I agree. I think he's going to get those. I think the Bears are going to open that Pandora's box and hope that it scares uh, defensive and coordinators shitless uh, to some degree moving forward in games, but they're going to definitely give him some touches. What do you got? I mean, I'm not thinking Cohen's fantasy viable anytime soon. Like, he's going to be a, a gadget guy in, you know, three to five, maybe seven touch range yeah. early in the season. Like, right now the Bears are a one-trick show. It's Jordan Howard and nobody else. Luckily, Atlanta isn't one of the best teams at defending running backs. They allowed over 20 fantasy points a game to opposing running backs, but a lot of the work they did allow was in the passing game, which gives you a little bit of a, you know, up in the air about Howard. But, you know, people are still a believer in this guy, so I've got nothing to say. Just, you probably play him if you draft him in the second round. He went in the first round on one of my drafts. Yeah. Chicago. We're from Chicago. Good luck. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I'm I'm much higher on on him on the whole as you are. But 
I, I don't know how this bear. We got a lot. We got a lot of on a lot a lot of things to uh, trickle down. Kendall Wright's back. <laughs> what happened? Kendall Wright is probably the Bears' number one receiver. I agree. I agree <laughs> with that. I think he's going to have a pretty good season. Um, and I hope Kevin White can 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 get some shit done. I, I like what I see in spots, but at the same time. No one else does. We'll see. Let's keep an eye on all that shite. Hopefully, I'll be at the game. If so, I'll post some stuff on uh, Facebook.com forward slash Pyromaniac. And our Twitter handle is Twitter.com forward slash at P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. Waz, give them your uh, Twitter, Twitter handle. Twitter.com slash WazNFL. At Waz NFL Stag Party. Give me your Twitter handle. At Pyro Stag. Is that a, is one there, G? Is there an underscore or just nah. one? Okay, Pyro nah, Stag. Why'd you get one G? Why'd you go? Why'd you go? I don't know. <laughs> tough, tough call. It's tough being. Tough, it's hard enough being a G, but it's very hard being a double G. Double D O G. I mean, the only guy who's done big with two G's is like the Snoop. Who else? Who else? Road Dog, mm. Jesse James, Road Dog, Jesse James. <laughs> <laughs> we need the D O G. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Well, check us out on Twitter. We're always uh, doing our own thing. I think uh, there's a good there's a good balance of the way that each of us like to use Twitter. Um, so, as we said before, all off season Twitter is without a doubt the best news source for fantasy football. For catching the most recent news, for catching the most recent injuries, for catching the most recent anything, and listening to very smart people, not such as myself, but these other two guys and uh, the other people that we follow, um, there's just some really impressive fantasy football heads out there. So check out our accounts, and uh, we're doing it up over there. So let's go on to the next game, which is going to be the Ravens at the Bengals. Um, well, that should be a that should be a, an exciting little uh, interconference game, um, interdivision game. Excuse me. Um, what do you guys think? I, the Ravens, God, I've stayed away from them. I just I have a feeling they're going to be much better than I'm giving them credit for. Um, it, it's all going to come down to Joe Flacco's health. Like, yeah. is he going to be in the lineup or is it going to be Lion, uh, Ryan Mallet? Lion Mallet. It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, but. You know, if Ryan Malik's the starter, I, I don't feel comfortable playing Jeremy Macklin. I don't feel comfortable with Mike Wallace. Uh, I probably feel comfortable enough with Terrence West in, like, a flex spot. Uh, Danny Woodhead, you know, just returning to practice in a flex spot. But other than that, if it's Ryan Mallet, I want really nothing to do with these guys this week. Um, if it is Joe Flacco, no... Uh, Jeremy Macklin's in contention as a wide receiver three. So is Mike Wallace. Uh, maybe wide receiver three flex for Mike Wallace. And then same thing, probably running back two for Danny Woodhead. Flex flex appeal for Terrence West. Uh, not touching any of the tight ends until we see how it sort of shakes out. Uh, between you know Ben Watson, Max Williams, fucking whoever else they tried out there to break a hip, um, but it it really comes down to the health of Joe Flacco. So where it, where does he stand? Is there any sort of major determination that we're gonna know? 
before we have to set our lineups, or is it going to be one of those things that comes down to the wire? You know, the Joe Flacco news, it's been really bothersome most of the offseason because not only did it just, like, come out of nowhere, it really devalued a lot of the weapons there. We, you know, for a little bit, we were all excited about oh, Jeremy Macklin and Mike Wallace with, with you know, the GOAT of Joe Flacco because he's elite and everything. Um, I think Joe Flacco will, even if he's not 100%, I think he will be playing week one. Um, at the same time, even if he's not 100%, or because he may not be 100%, I think Terrence West is probably going to have himself a good game, more so than Danny Woodhead even. I like Jeremy Macklin as an option much more than Mike Wallace this week. If, you know, you know one way or another, Mallet or Flacco, or Flacco or Mallet, uh, just give me Macklin. I'm just going to kind of fade Mike Wallace this week. I really want to see how that whole offense starts turning. They don't really have a, a tight end to trust in. I mean, if you if you talk about Ben Watson, but I mean he's like a. I mean you're looking, you're already talking about tight end three value for any Baltimore tight end. There's no one you can trust in. I don't know which way it's going to go. I'm playing Terrence West if I have him in my flex um, because I already I'm probably playing two better running backs as it is. I think Terrence West would be a great flex play for you. I'd even if forced to I would. Play him as my running back, too. I think he's going to get great volume this week, and I think they're going to slow Flacco back into the game until he's 100%. Yeah. Let's move on. Should we move on to the other side? Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. This is an exciting one. Um, yeah, the Ravens, a lot of unknowns there. We'll see. Um, I mean, Joe Flacco was back in practice this weekend. They're just not sure overall that they can get him enough snaps to be back and ready. Um, the mate. What's his issue right now? He's got like a he's had a back, and you know uh, having a back's never been good. And for that's why he's not back yet. Yeah, I hurt my back today doing friggin' um, uh, twelve ounce no, curls. No, not <laughs> much more embarrassing doing um, the dishes. Ooh. Yeah, like I, 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 lower I was like, I was like, I was like I leaning back in there, and then I came back. I'm like, oh my god, this is starting to hurt. God, what a what an athlete. Um, let's go on to the Bengals side of the ball. Dalton, um, well, let's start with the thing that you mentioned before before the show with uh, uh, a potentially, we'll see, you never know, there ain't no right, there ain't no wrong, that's why we're about to start playing the games, but uh, Mixon, what, what's the news you're, th- you're hearing uh, or the unknown smoke and mirrors uh, that's, that's being said about what's Joe happening? Mixon is the third string running back on this team as of right now. <laughs> uh, according to their depth chart, likely to play in the area of 10 to 20 snaps. Uh, Jeremy Hill is expected to be out there in the lineup. Uh, and that means he's a touchdown vulture at any time because we know he could do that well. Gio Bernard's expected to be back at full strength, being the passing down complement and change of pace back. And Mixon's just expected to mix in from time to time. Um, but That's not, why he's not back. Mix in. You guys are awesome. Um, but overall... That was much better, though. None of these guys look like strong starts for your fantasy team. Absolutely not. Like your best... Shot is getting a Jeremy Hill touchdown or a, a mix in to break a big one for you, but counting on that is is sort of fool's gold. Let's not do that. Let's go chase guys with better opportunities in week one who are likely to have more uh, shots at the goal line, likely to have more carries in general. So that's my overall thought on it. Um, 
Cool. Yeah, uh, I would not touch any of the Cincinnati running backs. Let them figure it out there in Cincinnati. It, it's a mess. If, if I had a rack and staff them even, it would be Mixon and then Geo and uh, Jeremy Hill. But they're, they're so close together in such a lower tier. Just because you just have to give everyone the 33% you know, like load there one way or another. And it's all going to come down who's going to pop off that touchdown, who's going to get that goal line carry, who's going to get that receiving touchdown or whatnot. Absolutely avoid. I would start like Danny Woodhead probably. I would feel more comfortable starting Danny Woodhead there for Baltimore than any of those Cincinnati running backs. Do you think it's going to be a situation where they're going to ride the hot hand or they're going to have a set a set kind of play count and a set plan where they're all involved? Do you think it's going to kind of be like, whose day is it today? Well, early in the Throughout the season. Or the beginning oh, of the throughout the beginning of the season, I think teams do have a tendency to continue to figure things out, ride the hot hand. They may have over-game plan. Most teams over-game plan for week one or just kind of stick to what they were doing. But they're still trying to figure out depth charts. You know what I mean? I, you know, the offseason or the preseason isn't enough to really figure this out. We, we're seeing it right now in Cincinnati. I think they will kind of give each of these guys an opportunity, more so I think Mixon and Hill, to see, hey, when do these guys work back? Do they have the stamina to play all four quarters? Are they going to play the same way in the fourth quarter as they are in the first quarter? So I think Cincinnati's going to continue to figure that out. I, I would advise everyone that's listening to not play any of your Cincinnati running backs if you don't have to take a look at the pyro projections and rankings for week one and probably try to find yourself someone on the waiver wire even that might have a better opportunity to uh, score you some points. Let's go to the wide receiver and tight ends uh, spot of things. Obviously AJ Green um yeah, you're probably he's, starting him. You're probably starting Tyler Eifert. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's it. It's, it's going to be A.J. Green. It's going to be Tyler Eifert. John Ross is already you know, doubtful to play. It looks like he's going to miss a week or two. So now you're looking at Brandon Lothell playing across uh, from A.J. Green. And, you know, that that's great. But, you know, I can't put Brandon Lothell in my lineup. Uh, I mean, you would have to add him off the waiver wire first, and you know, too no, much work. Yeah, too, way too, too much, much work. Waivers yeah. are the worst. Uh, <laughs> I'd, yeah. I'd rather just bang, throw my head head first into a wall. <laughs> what do you guys think about? Um, where do you have uh, Dalton ranked as for quarterbacks? I think I have him as nice a higher on QB two. I've got Andy Dalton as QB seventeen, but yeah, I mean fourteen. It's all sort of that same range where you're nitpicking. But I've got Brad Bradford ahead of him, which, you know, Baltimore is going to have one of the toughest defenses out there with, with sort of the moves they've made on defense. That gives me a little bit of a concern. Uh, you know, Andy, he's sort of struggled in division games, uh, and that gives me a little bit of pause, you know, just throwing him out there. But I... I I like A.J. Green enough, and, you know, Baltimore's been notoriously tough against tight ends uh, the last few seasons. I don't see that changing, so I have a little bit of pause that they're just going to have to funnel targets through A.J. Green, and there won't be much help for anybody else. Can I ask you guys a question? I have a draft tomorrow. I think we all do, don't we? No. Uh, I I have one tomorrow. You have one tomorrow. Um, Quick question. Sorry to put this out. I know we're talking about week one, but whatever. We still this is Tuesday, and there's still time to draft on Wednesday. I've got the fifth overall in a rookie heavy league. Um, it's only an eight man league, but it's an expensive entry, so I want to do well. If I have the five, and there's keepers in this one, so DJ 
David Johnson and OBJ are gone. Do you guys think I take AJ Green with the fifth? Because basically, Le'Veon's gone. Le'Veon's gonna be gone one overall. So you're talking uh, about maybe Mike Evans or Julio gone? Yeah, it's basically it's basically I'm gonna be it basically Antonio Brown and, and and Julio will be gone. So then there's gonna be. Well, you're missing. Okay, I'm not gonna get down to specifics. No, I mean I want specifics. Uh, David Johnson, you said uh, Antonio Brown, OBJ, Le'Veon Bell, and Mike OBJ Evans. and David Johnson are are keepers. Okay, that's what that's that's oh, why I they're. See, I around. see what you're so, saying now. So, oh, uh, so it's gonna be Le'Veon Bell, uh, Brown, um, and Julio. I would. So then there's. So if 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 what would you guys do? Quick, I'll make it this quick. Would you guys take AJ Green with that fifth spot, or should I go in and grab? Uh, because people go high on these rookies, like Shaker Green Hunt or something. No, no. AJ Green all day. Um, I think the the wide receiver uh, class from this year is a little bit overhyped and overrated as it is. AJ Green is a stud. He's a superstar. Kareem Hunt. We're not even sure what he's gonna do yet. And you know, he's like, he like sharing with Shark Sharknado, who's still under contract, who they paid some money for. Spencer Ware. He may be back. Is well. I mean, yeah. it's not Kareem Hunt's backfield. He's not. He's not the. The, the David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. You, but you like AJ over uh, absolutely. I mean, I have I, I have AJ Green this year over OBJ or over Mike Evans. I mean, in, I did too. right there with uh, OBJ. So I, I think I haven't had ahead of OBJ with the injury. What about you? You think Green all day at that five spot? Green all day at the five spot, but Odell playing week one pushes Odell back ahead of AJ Green. I agree, but he's a, he's a, he's a keeper, so yeah. he's not even an option. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Sorry, that's Diego Nunez's second Twitter question. <laughs> uh, let's go on. Is it too soon to say Eifert. go Diego go 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 Diego go? Um, Diego the Explorer or is that Dora the Explorer? Do you guys talk about Eifert quickly, and then we'll do that. Nothing. Uh, I did. You start started. All right. Before we get on to our next game, uh, do us a favor and listen to these words from our sponsors. All right, the Steelers at the Browns. This is the last of the early games on Sunday. Woo, week one. Uh, let's start with the Steelers. They're visiting Cleveland. And uh, let's actually woo for the reinstatement of our good pal, Martavis Bryant. Woo. <laughs> so, right, so everything, all the work that we put in leading up to week one and assuming that he will be ready um, our listeners aren't pissed off. Our draft kit uh, readers aren't pissed off. Yep. Artavis Bryant is back and ready and lining up opposite of Antonio Brown. Man, it's going to be sexy because someone's got to keep Ben Roethlisberger churning. I mean, he's just he needs a few more options. You know, you know what you need to do in this game? <laughs> he's depleted. He's got such lack of talent to work with. Don't even watch the game? <laughs> no, the Steelers should roll. Like the, I don't care that it's Big Ben on the road. It, it's the Browns. Like, if he doesn't throw at least two touchdowns passes in this game, something has went horribly wrong with Martavis Bryant back in the fold. But Martavis Bryant got him as a, you know, wide receiver two. Uh, I think he's wide receiver twenty five in my ranks. Got you know Antonio Brown way up there. Maybe not as high. I've got Julio was number one, so maybe he's top three locked in. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was my running back one this week, so we've got to try a very, a very strong plays. Because of that, I've got Ben Roethlisberger in my top ten quarterbacks. Um, I, I'm not, I'm ignoring the home road splits because it's the Browns defense. 
Uh, while they might be improved, there are some positions where they are not. They're still going to be weak at cornerback. Uh, they're still going to be weak, um, you know, on the linebacker position. Miles Garrett should do some for the pass rush, but interior of that run game, you know, that's a little bit worrisome. I'm liking all of the Pittsburgh pieces. I'm not. I'm probably gonna. I'd play Jesse James over Vance McDonald this week if I had a, you know, absolute gun to my head. But neither of them are gonna be tight end threes in my ranks. Like, you know, Vance just traded for. Do you think that? Do you think that Jesse James is Dunsville no. by week three or four? Is it no, gonna be? They, not at all. Okay. They're, they're gonna. It's, remember, they're, they need both of them. Remember last season. Even when Ladarius Green was back, Jesse James still played like 97% of the team's snaps. He's Heath Miller. He's a, a catch-and-go-down type of guy. They, they don't want him to be the field stretcher, but they wanted one of those guys. So they went out and they got Vance. Like, it's just a completely different role uh, that they imagine for this guy. I actually do kind of like Vance as a tight end, too, this, this week. A, a, a later... Uh, a later tight end too. I do like him a lot more than Jason James though. But the points that you mentioned make a lot of sense, and I will actually reconsider it. Week one, it's so hard to see, especially when you have an offense because Antonio Brown is my wide receiver one this week. Le'Veon Bell is my running back one this week. Ben Roethlisberger will be a top five quarterback this week. Should, in my opinion. I mean, when you have all these pieces and all these, and you're playing the Browns, I really want to see how they work these tight ends these tight ends in though, but it will be difficult when you have so many other playmakers around because you can't, you have to consider how much are they going to need to rely on them. They may need to rely on one of them to pull them out of a bind, and if you, if you need to be pulled out of a bind on a third and short, Jesse James, like Stag Party mentioned, could be your guy just for those that hands team, you know, catch and go down, and we may not see a lot of Vance McDonald, so that is a good point. I do like that, but Man, throw every Pittsburgh option you have in, in your lineup this week. If you're playing uh, defense special teams, uh, the Steelers are the best streaming option. I don't care if you drafted the Vikings like I did in, in one league by accident. Uh, the Steelers, if they're on your waiver wire, I don't care who else you have. Just drop them and, and play the Steelers because you're just going to have such an advantage this week over all the other options. Here's the problem with that. Go on. You're never going to drop the Steelers because you need to work at their first six games. First three are awesome, by the way, as well, yes. Like, you, you can get by with the Steelers as a top uh, you know, defense for like the first six, seven weeks of the season because their schedule's trash. Um, and... Also, what really happened is they were a top five scoring unit at the end of last season when they started blitzing more. So if they're going to blitz more, get after the quarterback, that creates havoc, that creates turnovers, that creates all the things you want from your fantasy defense. The Steelers, you know, they are definitely one of those streaming defenses you can go after this week, but you're not going to want to let them go. All right. Good times all around. Let's go over to the, uh, the home team. The Browns. What do you guys? What do you guys like in there? Uh, Kenny Britt. You like Crow? <laughs> can't can't can <laughs> That was good. That was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> that was impressive. <laughs> that sounded a lot like my windows open to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, Cricket. That was that was double layered. I like I like up. Kenny Britt and no one else. Like I don't even like Jose Crowell this week. 
Uh, I'm just like, oh my god, Isaiah Crowell destroyed Pittsburgh late last season. You know, he's going to be great again. Pittsburgh like, literally didn't play a single starter in that game that Isaiah Crowell won off. <laughs> so, yeah, if, if you want to chase waterfalls, uh, look at what else Isaiah Crowell did when he played them earlier in the season You're last don't go year. Chasing? Uh, eight attempts for 10 yards is what Pittsburgh held him to. And then you look at the Week 17 split, and it's 152 yards on 19 carries. Like, you know, believe in whichever one you want, but one of those is more likely to happen, and I think he's going to be minimized. I've got him as a, you know, back-end running back, too. Like, you might get, you know, six to eight total yards, uh, to- 60 to 80 total yards, so 6 to 8 total points in most leagues. Like, great. You, you could play that if you want. I don't see the upside for it. Yeah, as it is right now, um, I'm not a big Deshaun Kaiser fan. Uh, and not to mention that a rookie quarterback will be playing his first meaningful game in the NFL. I really don't care at all how well he played in, in the preseason games. The nerves are going to hit him. I mean, they have to. I No one is looking for a sit-start advice on any of the Cleveland Browns, but if I had to kind of play anyone, um, Isaiah Crowell probably would be a, a flex consideration. I have him as like a, a back-end RB2, like we're talking about RB22, but Duke Johnson has some uh, some value as well as like a RB3 flex option. I think they, they could share the workload rather well. I wouldn't want to be playing a Kenny Britt. I wouldn't want to be playing a Corey Coleman. I wouldn't be playing pretty much anyone on the Browns. If I had to, it, it would hopefully have to be one of the running backs. All right. I, uh, do you, I think that that's probably going to be the going. Do you guys feel like uh, Crowell or some of these other players, uh, Coleman, is it a, because it's the Browns and you just don't know, do you feel like they're never really going to be too high on your rankings? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously. I mean, it's all about the game planning, too. Because but Crowell's and, like going, he's like, He's being considered as as far as running back in drafts. He was like running back eleven. Yeah, because of I, I think if people take into consideration the the how little workhorses or bell cars bell cows there are for NFL teams. So I think that got in their head to be like this guy's gonna get volume and people like me love volume plays. But when you look at the Browns matchups, you have to actually take into consideration how many times they're gonna be able to run the ball. And then it gets all switched up because now the rookie is starting for them. I like Cody Kessler a little bit more for some of the more of these wide receivers in the game plan for the Browns. But now that Kaiser's starting, everything kind of slows down even more. It, it, it's really tough to rely on him. You're probably not going to return value on Crowell now. He may lean on his, his running back a lot more you know, to try to open up the field. or They're going to keep a base. They have a little bit of play action. And that's balanced more than actually like – Pulling off yards, probably the coaches aren't going to be like make it happen, you know, because it, it's the game's not going to be in Kaiser's hands. They're going to see what they got. They're going to mix it up with him, and I think he's going to have to lean on the running back more so than not. Even cool. in losing situations. You got anything you want to add to this game? Nope. Uh, all right, let's go to the first of the afternoon games, the Andrew Luck, uh, which of course less. <laughs> Andrew Luck less Colts. Um, are going to be showing up over at the newly rammed up L.A. Rams. They've got the smallest stadium in the NFL. Um, Say what? There wasn't. Say what? There wasn't. We're going... So what do you think? Colts. Let's start with the Colts. And then... uh, The Rams 
the Chargers are the one who just moved. The Rams were there last year. Yeah, they were there last year. Fuck off. Uh, But the Rams now do have white in their logo instead of yellow. I saw that. It it looks okay. They got a little bit of gold still. Yeah, a little bit. It's a little tough to get used to. You think there's something wrong with uh, your TV because you're like something's missing. (laughs) You know, but. They went with the the Dodgers colors. I actually think the new unis are pretty dope. I think it looks a little bit more professional. I like them. But, uh,. So about the Colts. So I uh, I hope this is a color rush game because it's white and blue versus blue and white. <laughs> and I don't know what else to say about a Colts led team without Andrew Luck. Yeah, Scott Colvin is my thirty third currently ranked uh, quarterback. And if you do the math, there are only thirty two quarterbacks. But that's because sometimes you don't think a quarterback can make it all the way through the game. But we'll just let that be right now because those are still in the works. But I will drop those tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I've got him at 32. Right? <laughs> it, 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 like, you're not starting him. No. Like, I can't play Frank Gore because of a Scott Tolzien-led team. I mean, if Aaron Donald were to be held out of this game, I would be a little bit more inclined. But the Ram- if he plays, the Rams are going to be a strong streaming start with Scott Tolzien at uh, under quarter, under center, because they're also missing their center. Like, there's a lot of things you could look for and just say, no, 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 and, and just be very concerned. Like, I'm, cons- like, I can't play anyone except for maybe T.Y. Hilton or uh, Jack Doyle, just because Tolzien has been a guy who's checked down, checked down, checked down, look for Doyle, check down, get the ball out quick. But Tolzien is legitimately awful. So I'm just hoping that T.Y. Hilton you know, gets some screen passes. They they use him creatively in, in a number of different ways because that's the only way he's going to return value. But I've got him ranked as a wide receiver three. Uh, I do as well. And that's the thing. It's so tough because you guys are going to be playing T.Y. Hilton week one. There's no doubt about it. Just I benched him for Stephon Diggs, so. I would actually consider. I have them very close, near the same tier. But I mean, that's Ooh, let just, me tell you, that's, that's, I hold on. five days. <laughs> I can't wait till we talk about the Vikings. Because that's the second Vikings reference he made this podcast. He's like, love this I uh, I got Bradford above him, and I got Diggs above. I'm just I'm ready. He likes his Diggs. <laughs> he really likes his Diggs. About, uh, come that time, but no, no, I like. Hold on. There it is. So yeah, T. Y. Hilton. He's. He, He's not a comfortable play this week, but you got to comfortable play. I, I mean, it, it, it sucks, especially when you're, you're you're buying a wide receiver one and you're getting a freaking hopefully a wide receiver three value. Scott Tolzien is awful. Frank Gore is gonna be a bad play. They're just gonna play the run. I wouldn't even play the the tight ends or rely on Jack Doyle. I don't even know where I have Jack Doyle. So yeah, I have him like tight end three. I'm there with the Jesse Jameses. It's just Ooh. you you can't rely on anything. Thirty led, led by Scott Tolzien. Um, especially yeah. when you're you're going against superstars like Jared Goff and Cooper Cup. <laughs> yeah, I was with you until you crashed a fucking train through making sense. <laughs> go go tell us, Stag Party. If you want to move over to the other side, go to the Rams. Let's talk about it. Uh, Jared Goff, you're probably not going to want to start him. Nope. Um, even though you're going to be without no. Anybody of real fortitude on defense. Like, the Colts might have the thinnest defensive roster in the league now. Um, but. Does that mean if Goff can't get it going this week, uh, you essentially can't start the him thing, all season? The thing <laughs> is, 
I think Todd, I've got Todd Gurley too damn high. I've got Todd Gurley as a top five running back this week. Ooh. And I feel pretty strong well, about it. It's so crazy, but I do too. <laughs> like, yes. I feel pretty strong about him going off. I mean, now we'll get to another thing we talked about with breaking news later. There's more breaking news. Uh, so we'll get to that. We'll talk about uh, that other thing after the other thing. But Todd Gurley... Strong play, you know his defense is gonna be able to do work. They're gonna be able to keep the ball away from um, the Colts with Tolzina quarterback. So I'm really liking their ability to just run a lot of plays and run with Todd Gurley. You know, get him a lot of lot of action. So because of that, you know it's great. Like for him, for Todd Gurley, but. You know, Jared Goff, I, I don't think they're going to need him to throw. Maybe this is a game where he attempts 28 passes. And to really show up, he could complete 20 to 21 and, you know, have a great game. But it might just not be one of those fantasy impact games. He can maybe go, you know, 20 for 21 for 200 yards and throw one touchdown. And then you'd be like, all right, great. All these fantasy points that, you know, don't really help me. For, like, give me 14 fantasy points. Great. But how is that going to help? Like, you can't trust him for more than, what? What's his top-end projection right now? For who? Jared Goff. Like, 18. From what we've seen on the field in NFL regular season games, it's like 18 fantasy points. Right. Yeah, maybe you might get two touchdowns, 200 yards, right? Yeah. So so you're really going out on... I was hoping he was like, but he didn't have Cup before. (laughs) No, he didn't have Stephen Watkins either, but... Everything State Party's uh, talking about makes sense for this game plan against Indianapolis, led by Scott Tolzien. It's going to be Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is probably the, the safest and only play for the Rams this week. As much as I love Jared Goff, Jared Goff's going to put up QB2 numbers. He should. Uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to be fi- kind of fighting over targets themselves. I'm, I'm not too worried about this week. Goff should not have to throw it a lot, as he mentioned. It will be Todd Gurley getting... Yeah. A whole bunch of volume, a whole bunch of carries, and he may even score you more than one touchdown. So I'm liking the Rams defense, obviously top five defense for this week. You said great streaming option as well. If you don't get your hands on Pittsburgh, uh, the Rams are there. But yeah, Todd Gurley or bust, go for it. So if the if if this week Gurley does it gets a lot of run, it gets a ton of touches, and doesn't have a big game, are you scared shitless um. for his prospects for the season? No, because offensive lines still take time to gel. Okay. All those things. But if he doesn't have a good game this week, I will be highly surprised. Just because he should get every single one of the touches out of the backfield. I mean, maybe he gets some spell, but at that point, you know, there's no one to really compete with him for touches. The defense should get him a lot of playing time, and they should be up in clock-killing mode, which they weren't very much last year. So, Todd Gurley's a strong, strong, strong play. Cool. I like it. Top five play for sure. I'm totally on board with that. I'm probably going to bump him down to six now. but Don't be scared. I'm going to leave him at four. Good. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the next one. Seahawks are going to be at the Packers. That is a uh, pretty sweet NFC game. Let's talk about the fantasy football implications of it. Let's start with the visiting team. 
Yes, to start where you want, but you so, want to start with Russell Wilson. With the Seattle for? Seahawks, Russell Wilson's another guy who's like a top five play against this Packers defense. Uh, now that he's fully healthy, we saw you know his ability to move the, during those preseason. He's lost a little bit of weight. He's looked faster. Uh, all those things, you know, his release looks even quicker. Like Russell's looked awesome this preseason. His weapons look, you know, slightly improved. The only thing you're worried about is this offensive line getting him beaten up and tattered. That they're starting tackles that shouldn't barely be on practice squad rosters, and it's gonna suck for a while. But Russell Wilson is one of the guys that moves so well in the pocket and gets the ball out of his hands so quickly when he's not moving in the pocket that you you just gotta believe in that guy. It, it, like if Russell Wilson brings this team to the playoffs and like get, goes to the Super Bowl. Like, he's a goddamn freak, a, a, a true magician back there because this offensive line is probably the worst he's worked behind in the last five years. Oh, um, they, that, that's, been, that's been the caveat with him for his everything he's done is that he's had uh, at least the last three years for sure that the offensive line woes have been, oh, we've done it in spite of a bad offensive line. How can they not put more into this and figure it out? Seems like the the glaring too much money being spent on defense. Like, you know, you got to give one to get the other. Um, but Doug Baldwin, strong play. Jimmy Graham, you know, great play. The linebackers for uh, for the Packers, you know, are beaten up and tattered. And when when they are healthy, they don't know what position they're playing. Sometimes they're playing inside linebacker. Sometimes they're playing outside linebacker, trying to get pressure. Uh, but overall, you know, the sneaky play here could be Paul Richardson. And the, the, the real problem, I like the hardest job I had was ranking the Seahawks backfield. Uh, ranking the yeah, ranking that backfield was a mess. I, I, I mean, I'm scrolling, scrolling to even remember I put some of these guys. I think Eddie Lacy ranked the highest. But we're talking about outside RB4 uh, kind of projections. But for the, I was going to mention, for the same reason that I like – Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and Marcus Wheaton is Russell Wilson is I, I think I have him as QB six right now, but I mean him and Big Ben I have a five and six could be swapped either way. They, they're going to put up they could put up top five QB numbers this week. Um, Jimmy Graham is a top five tight end probably all season long. Let's uh, Doug Baldwin I have him as my my wide receiver two this week. I I, I think they're going to have a a, a a really good time against Green Bay's defense for many of the reasons that State Party mentioned. The only thing is, what are they going to do with this run game? Because they will need it. I, at, at some point, they will need to rely on a run game to make their offense work the way we are hoping it works. The way I am projecting Russell Wilson to Jimmy Graham, Russell Wilson to Doug Baldwin to work. Week one may open up kind of some answers for us. It might even take into like week three, week four. What's Chris Carson doing, you know? But yeah, they're, they're still relying so heavily on this defense. This should be a good game. Green Bay's going to be scoring touchdowns and, and Russell Wilson's going to have to score some touchdowns himself. I like all these Seattle guys. I think I, 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 I think Tyler Lockett is a sneaky play as well as the wide receiver too. With Paul Richardson, one of those two guys will be a beneficiary. We don't know which one right now, but I have them both like right there at that wide receiver four range. 
You're either going to get Paul Richardson or you're going to get Tyler Lockett. Or Tyler Lockett, for some reason, gets mixed in into the, the running game as well, gets some carries. He'll probably outproduce Richardson for that reason. But I like the way Seattle's looking, minus that offensive line. So, yeah, if Russell Wilson somehow comes out of the season unscathed in the playoffs, he is a damn magician. I mean... I like Richardson as the sneaky play. Tyler Lockett's still coming back from injury. Still seems to have a little bit of the ways to go. And, you know, they finally made a determination. Hey, Paul Richardson's our number two wide receiver. Tyler Lockett, we're going to stick him in the slot. We're Uh, trading curse. A little bit more. We're trading curse. We're going to try and get younger, more athletic at this other spot. So, you know, let's do it. It's now his time to shine. Let's see. Um, but other than that, the backfield is really where it comes down to. Thomas Rawls is the guy on the depth chart, but they're saying they're going to rotate Rawls and Lacey and Carson and C.J. Procise until somebody can establish something. Yep. The question is, what's the health of all of these guys going in? You know, If one's going to miss, uh, how does that affect the others? But... Overall, I don't think any of them you could start with any sort of tenacity. With but don't, any you conviction. That, don't you think that Procise is kind of on his own, the third down back, a guy that's going to be used for passing? Look, and Carson's look good as a pass catcher. Car- too. Carson's got that as well. Too good. Okay, good. That, then, that even gives, then that even gives me more love for Carson because, uh, you know, if, if something were to happen with injury prone Lacey, if something were to happen to injury prone, um, Rawls, who I love Rawls, I think his value is good. Uh, but I, I, I kind of had the thought that it was a three-headed question mark, and then Procise has got his deal. Um, we'll it find out. There. We'll find out. You know, that's 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 the beauty of uh, of week one. But that is, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns and question marks in that backfield, and we know. Last last year, it's unbelievable to think this. I'm I'm gonna botch his number, but. Uh, Mike uh, Christine Michael was a top thirty running back last year on yep. that team. Well, top thirty running back, Christine Michael. I'm going to tell you right now that all that that Lacey, uh, Rawls, and Chris Carson are better running backs than Christine Michael, and that was after Rawls had gotten hurt. So you did, Michael's wasn't really getting too much carry. This offense can produce if you can find one guy that they love, and Carroll can find one guy. This it's 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 been over the last six or so years a lot of uh, Lacey and Rawls being uh, real high up there. So uh, if someone gets the gig and it's theirs, it it, it spells nice fantasy times. Yeah, yeah. Chris, if if yeah, I, I, I if it's if it's this four headed deal the whole time they all eat each other and it, it ain't worth shit. But yeah. injuries injuries and other things again. Christine Michael scored in in a limited role 120 fantasy points last year. Yeah, well, he was on Green Bay for a good portion of the season too, so it wasn't all just Seattle. Okay, um, okay. It, that, it's that, t- it's you, tough. Uh, I wonder how does fantasy pros? Uh, I mean, fantasy uh, FF today would they show the whole? Would they show Christine Michael as being on the, the Seattle? Yep. And show the stats from. Packers okay. game logs. All right. Okay. Game logs will change. Well, I'm just saying their their whole number. Yep. Okay. They'll they would they'll, they'll join them. All right. Um, cool. Let's move on. Regardless, of what I'm saying is Seattle. They can produce some serious running back points. 
I mean, Christy Michael had multiple, multiple running back one weeks at the beginning of the season last year. But uh, getting back to the rest of this game, we're talking about the other side. We're talking about Green Bay. Yep. You know, the thing is, Aaron Rodgers is not my number one quarterback this week. Not like he's barely top ten because he completely avoids throwing. What's Aaron Rodgers' average yards per game against the Seattle Seahawks? I think the stag party has the same, so go on. It's 193. It's the only team in the NFL where he throws less than 200 yards a game. But his his overall touchdown numbers in those seven games, uh, you know, they're pretty good. Like he's only got a nine to one touchdown in reception ratio. But where is the yardage and overall fantasy appeal of a QB one coming from? And this defense is even better with the addition of Sheldon Richardson and you know guys like Will Clark who had what. Or Frank Clark had ten touchdown or ten sacks last year, and this this team is deep. You know, Earl Thomas back all the way healthy. Cam Chancellor, like this defense is awesome. Like they're gonna be one of the best stoutest teams out there. And Green Bay just hey Richard Sherman, I'm not throwing to your side, so yeah. you know I'm gonna attack this other side. Uh, so. You know, Devontae Adams, who mainly plays that, that that spot, I've got him outside my top 30 receivers. Outside, like, I don't think he's startable because this is a game where they could focus on Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson out of the slot more. Um, and the way they're going to attack Seattle, we've seen it before, is they completely avoid throwing to Sherman. And they attack the secondary corners. And they attack through the run game and attack through quick passes to their running back. So I like Ty Montgomery, especially in PPR, and they say this guy's going to be our feature back. So I'm in on everybody on Green Bay with tempered expectations. This defense is awesome. So that's so you're, you're not in on Devontae Adams because she's so far got off. the Sherman Matt, uh, shadow. And then what do you think about um, – what Martellus Bennett, his first his first game and uh, I mean in, in he's another one of those tight end ones outside of you know tight end fifteen to eighteen where you're touchdown dependent. So he he's a guy with a high touchdown probability, but you know, I'm gonna avoid him because Cam Chancellor. Like I don't think he's a strong, strong start. You know, I'm going to have to reevaluate because a lot of things that you, you are saying right now, it does always happen, but they are making, it makes a lot of <laughs> sense. Because honestly, I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers and I'm looking at their strengths. I'm not at probably as much looking at Seattle's strengths and probably respecting it as much as I should. I do have Aaron Rodgers up there as my QB1 this week just because I think this is, they're going to be. Scoring a lot of points, and I, I think the points are going to come on both sides of the ball. And I think, I, what's the implied point total? Do you have it handy? Right I, now? I, I don't because but, I'm on my stupid fucking iPad. I don't. But I, someone uh, else has got it. You know, if I pull up the, this, I don't understand how people can use iPad as their main. Okay, so fucking the, the live over under right now is at 15 and a half. So we're looking at a pretty, pretty high scoring game. I think probably that. Got the under all day. <laughs> see what you okay. And at the same time, I had Jordy Nelson and I was considering Devontae Adams as well as wide receiver ones this week. Lower. I'm not talking about top five. 
But I thought Martellus Bennett is probably going to run into more issues than Nelson and Adams were. And I have uh, Bennett actually as like a mid to late tight end too. So for the reasons that Stag Party is fading Adams, for the reasons why he's fading Aaron Rodgers, is, is the reasons why I'm actually fading Martellus Bennett. I do like Aaron Rodgers this week. I do like Jordan Nelson. I do like Devontae Adams. But I do, I am going to actually reevaluate this whole matchup and the trends that Stag Party mentioned. So for anyone listening, just kind of whatever he said is probably a little bit more strengthened with data than mine is. Um, but yeah, that, wow, that, that actually changes a lot of things for me this week as well because I'm looking at these offenses greatly this week. I, I loved everything about both of these offenses, and on paper, all these all you guys sending lineups are liking these offenses as well. But yeah, I need to pay more respect to Seattle's defenses here. Respect. Well, I'll tell you the only thing that's getting faded for me uh, after we finish recording the show is me. I'm going to fade myself. Mara Gavana. So we've got... The, the thing with Aaron Rodgers is, is he, has, he is at home. He, he doesn't very often get to play Seattle at home. Uh, that that And he plays a little bit better at home. You look at his rate stats. They're a little bit better at home. Nearly 10 points higher in passer rating. Um, so I can see... Like, I don't have Aaron Rodgers completely out of my top 10. He's my eighth overall quarterback, but I think his upside is severely capped when we look at other guys, you know, like how you like Mariota, how we like Derek Carr, how, how we like probably my number one passer uh, in Tom Brady and what he's been able to do in opening weeks. Well, there's a yang to every yang, and the reason why we do these weekly matchups during the season leading up to each week's games is because sometimes you go up against a force that isn't immovable, and your rating changes, and this t- to me sounds like this is one of those few games that the almighty Aaron Rodgers is going to be going up against a defensive force he can't overcome. Just he's probably going to be top five every other week yeah. uh, throughout the entire season. Um, so it says a lot about what you're, what he's going up against in this matchup. Uh, before we get to the next matchup, do us a favor and uh, listen to these words from our sponsors. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, before we uh, get into this matchup as well, I want to give um, uh, Waz a moment, and we'll all kind of uh, tout it a bit, but to talk about a, a really cool event we've got going on October 6th. Uh, Waz, throw it out there. Give a little throwdown on what we're up to. Friday, Friday, Friday. Yes. What are you guys doing Friday, October 6th? <laughs> no, all right, so... Are you getting fucking hammered? Are you getting hammered, man? We're going to hang out with some good people. No, but seriously, uh, Pyromaniac, you guys uh, have uh, kind of facilitated this whole thing. We're going to do the 2017 Chicago Fantasy Football Tweet-Up. Uh, last year, we went to one that 444 uh, hosted. I mean, that was, a, that was an awesome time, wasn't it? Awesome. I mean, I, I think that's really where I met you guys, yeah. uh, first and foremost, and that's what, you know, began our relationship. But sure. for all you guys listening out there, if you're in the if you're in the Chicago area, if you're in the Midwest, hell, I don't even care if you're in Saskatchewan. Clear your calendar for October 6th. Get your ass to Chicago because we got a free event we're hosting for you. Uh, we're all gonna hang out, talk some football, and uh, drink some beers, smoke some beers. 
Um, so we got guys like uh, Evan Silva from Rotor World will be there. We got Andy Barons from Yahoo will be there. Mike Beller and Pat Fitzmaurice from Sports Illustrated. I got a lead. Uh, you know, I, I hear a guy call named Scott Fish from Fanball is going to be there. I'm actually uh, messaging him right now. He's talking about flights. So, uh, I mean, all these guys that you've heard of, that the stuff that you guys read off these guys, the tournaments you play that they facilitate and host. Fishbowl. Yeah, Scott Fishbowl, man. There's going to be so many badass people there. And entering the door is free. There's a wristband deal for an open bar. 40 bucks can give you, like, unlimited drinks for two or three hours. It's, it's so worth the deal. You get to hang out with us. Let's, let's BS, shoot the breeze. Let's, let's have a good time. All the information, guys, go to my Twitter, at uh, WazNFL. It's my pinned tweet. RSVP on the Eventbrite. Show up. You won't regret it. Nice, dude. Yeah, it's fun. We, we, we did have a great time with that one last year. Um, I remember me and Stag showed up a little earlier. We started getting uh, thrown them back. We knew no one in the room. And now, literally after that night, we were uh, better buddies with a lot of uh, heavy hitters within the industry. Um, a lot of people that do fantasy football that you guys know and, and use, and we us as well, that we respect our, our colleagues and contemporaries. If there's a lot of folks in the Midwest and in Chicago and in the surrounding areas. So um, please, come check that out at the Hidden Shamrock. It'll be a good time. We'll uh, throw back some Valverde's, we'll do some shots, we'll talk fantasy, and you know, it's just a good opportunity for us, uh, for, to, for you guys that listen to our voices, talk about this hobby, fantasy football so much, it's a good opportunity for you to come out and meet us, get a face of the name, and it's an opportunity for us to uh, pay our, uh, our, our respects and, and, and congratulatory thank yous for joining us on this journey, so... Let's fire it up, and uh, it also is, what, the 146th anniversary yeah. of the Chicago Fire? Yeah, we will be celebrating the Chicago, <laughs> the Great Chicago Fire happened 146 years ago. So we're, we're pyro, so we got to put something, some other thing. It's not just about fantasy football. It's about destroying the entire city. Let's get lit up. Lit up, yeah. And I promise you that if you want to, and you come to this, and you drive into town, or you fly into town, or whatever... Will be, you. I know you guys ended at Dublin's last year at what about four? I don't even know what happened last yeah, year. Yeah, it was about four o'clock. <laughs> so it'll be a long night. I didn't pull the ripcord, but this year I'm gonna set everything up so I can go long <laughs> and deep. So let's fire it up. Let's get um, Val Verde together. Much love. Awesome stuff. And Waz, way way to pull that whole thing together. Um, all right, let's go to our last afternoon game. Of Sunday, and that's the Panthers at the 49ers. Let's start with the Panthers. Is the uh, shoulder all right? Are we, we expecting Cam A-OK? Is... I'm expecting Cam to light it up with his arm. After what he did against San Francisco last year, the sort of strength of the San Francisco defense being the interior defensive line, you know, potentially making it a little more tougher for a guy like Jonathan Stewart to get free. I'm um, also not liking Cam to run very much early in the season, uh, especially against an opponent they probably think they have uh, overmatched. So I think this could be a game where it's Cam throwing it a lot. Um, so I like Kelvin Benjamin. I like Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Uh, apparently... Interesting twist. 
Christian McCaffrey has only plays in his playbook for him. Like the other, the, the rest of the offense doesn't know these plays exist. Really? So how does it? What? <laughs> exactly. Sneak attacks. This this is something that was reported today that seemed insane. So only Cam and and Christian us. It was probably like that's not exactly we what we meant. Like here's your subsection of plays. Only learn these. You don't have to learn all this other shit for now. Like, not yeah. not actually, hey, got it, got it, got we're it. the only two that know it. But that's how it was reported today. It got was it, it. pretty fucking funny. It's like, so, let's just run the McCaffrey jet sweep, please. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> all of a sudden, the whole team thinks it's going on. And there's a Statue of Liberty, Cam, Cam to McCaffrey that goes for a touchdown. Wait, hold on. It, you, sold, you sold it well. Because we, we didn't know about it. <laughs> we didn't agree to this. No, for the same reasons that we heard most of the offseason and towards the end of last season, they do want Cam Newton to become more of a pocket passer. And as terrible as it sounds, we're just going to have to deal with it if it happens. The thing is, he won't have to use his legs as much because of someone like Christian McCaffrey. I really like McCaffrey as a play this week. I wasn't the biggest fan of Christian McCaffrey. I think it's he's the media's darling. He's got... Too uh, big of a hype train going behind him. I, I, I think that there's too many high expectations. But this week, I, I really like McCaffrey, and I think him and Cam will, you know, be doing really well. Um, Cam will be throwing the ball a lot. He's going to be using Greg Olson. He's going to be picking on. Uh, I, I think uh, who's going to be on Kelvin Benjamin? Janoris Jenkins might be. Like, I, I, there's like, I, I think Evan Silva uh, tweeted out something on the correlation between the size difference of if it's at least four inches or taller. Like, Kelvin Benjamin will has has uh, quite an advantage in this game. And if Cam Newton's going to be forced to throw that ball, you know he's just going to give it to his big guy, Ken Kelvin Benjamin, and his trusted guy in Greg Olson. I mean, Cam Newton in this offense scored 46 points against the San Francisco defense that hasn't changed all that much, uh, except for a little bit of depth at the linebacker position. But, you know, McCaffrey looks like a pretty strong play, but uh, Jonathan Stewart, you know, I'll shy away from him for one week. Uh, I think they'll get McCaffrey the ball in space um, and, and let him do his thing. I think Benjamin's a strong play. I think Greg Olson's another great play. Like, he absolutely destroyed uh, San Francisco last time they played. Um, and Benjamin was up there. And, he, and even fucking Duffett, Devin Funches caught a touchdown last time they played. So, it, when Cam Newton can come out against this team last year without the same talent that he has now and throw for 353 yards and four touchdowns, I'm not really worried about what the te- the defense for the San Francisco 49ers could put up. I've got Cam Newton as a top three quarterback this week, and I feel pretty strongly about it. I actually would, I feel a lot more comfortable about Christian McCaffrey as a potential top five running back this week than I do Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton will be a, could be a QB1. I don't feel comfortable at with him being a QB, you know, top three play, 
because I think they can lean on the running game a lot more, and I don't think he's going to have to put up as many yards or as many points as need be, especially against the Giants. You remember that commercial? Cam, I'm just getting warmed up. They don't want Cam to overexert maybe his shoulder. So. Yeah, maybe. Steve, what was the little fucker's name? But I also don't think they're going to put all the pressure on McCaffrey. John- yeah, but then Stewart. I mean, obviously. Jo- Jonathan Stewart was injured in this la- in this game last year, and then Fozzie Whitaker ran for 100 yards on 16 carries so I, I do think it's possible that the the run game could get it going enough to keep Cam you know not throwing that much but I, I think this could be one of those games where he just exploits the defense makes a statement and says I'm fucking back I'm back don't worry about me we're good to go all right cool I like it let's um go over to the 49ers side of this act Show. Yeah, I think I said Giants early, and I realized that I kind of made a mistake. I'm looking ahead at our next game, but yes. <laughs> Go to the Niners. All right, I will. Niners. So the, so the Niners, you know, what, what are you looking from Brian Hoyer? He's going to give you 230 to 250 passing yards, two TDs and one pick, and great. Like, he's going to put up a decent fantasy game for you, but he's not going to be the guy to, to come out and win you a week. Pierre Garçon looks like their only proven receiver. I mean, if they're way behind, if they get, if Cam gets that four touchdown, yeah. and if it's a destruction game, that's where Hoyer becomes a, a fantasy dynamo. He's always playing from behind and has to. to, to if Fuck it doesn't matter, yeah, it. Fuck it, chuck it. And I'm gonna, I, like you said, he's gonna throw an interception, but he's got no other option than to just throw it each time he hikes the ball. You know, and he has he has some, some pretty decent options. I mean. The, as you guys mentioned, Pierre Garcon will be a safety net for him uh, for most of the games this season. I think Pierre Garcon is a safe wide receiver to play uh, for the same reason that I think Carlos Hyde is a safe running back to play. Now, George Kittle wound up probably as the lead tight end there in San Francisco. Uh, we know that Shanahan, you know, drafted this guy. We know that we know that they wanted George Kittle for a reason. They had an idea in their heads how to make this work. Now they feel so comfortable with George Kittle that they let Vance McDonald go. And I think Blake Bell was already released or he's hurt. And so I think the only guy left was uh, who's the there was like Garrett so Selleck. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. but he's going to be out there probably blocking as well. So George Kittle has some fantasy appeal in the tight end two range. In week one. If they start feeding him the ball right away, you might, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to reconsider George Kittle being a lot more fantasy relevant as the year goes on because if he becomes Kyle Shanahan's boy, that that's going to matter. And as, as we've seen, um, just seems like Shanahan doesn't give a fuck about the tight end position to me. At the time, I mean, and, who was he working with there? Well, I'm saying, but well, let's not make it Kittle all world, you know. Um, but I, I love I liked Kittle from from the from the early get go. Hopefully you're right, and if he's getting it going week one, then put that guy in your radar. It's a guy that you might want radar. to put, yes. put but you might keep an eye on him, or if you got deep bench, pick him up. Uh, but it just seems like Shanahan doesn't need the tight end. He needs blockers. He wants to do the things with the backfield and getting the ball out. I don't know. Um, Remember, he's also been the guy who made Jordan Reed Jordan before Reed. No, Jordan Reed was a thing. No, I know. And, you know, Austin Hooper had a pretty successful rookie season. Definitely but, made Jordan Reed uh, into Jordan Reed. No question about it. 
I am Gary Barnage a little bit. A little know? bit, right. I, 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 I think it's just going to be Pierre Garçon and Carlos Hyde. I wouldn't... Um, I'm not saying George Kittle is start-worthy this week. It's just someone to keep... You know, keep your eyes peeled for him. See how the game plan's working. See what Shanahan wants to do. No doubt. And uh, that's about it. I mean, it is San Francisco. Don't get too excited just yet. Yeah, I think Carlos Hyde's a strong, strong start. Uh, you know, we talked about their depth at the running back position being in question. Uh, you know, Joe Williams going on IR. Them releasing Tim Hightower. So they're going with an undrafted free agent in Matt Breida as their number two back. And the number three back is just as big of a question mark. There's no real proven depth there. That means Carlos Hyde, I guess, is going to eat. And while I do have question marks still about overall scheme fit, he's likely to see a boatload of touches. Now we, uh, we we had a uh, I wrote a piece for Fantasy Pros today, touting a, a deep stash type waiver wire guy uh, and, and deep dude that you want to put on put on your team before he becomes a waiver wire darling. And me and Stags talked this morning about it before I uh, wrote it up. And um, Matt Breda was the guy that we wrote up about. Other guys that were covered in that piece were uh, Kenny Galladay and uh, Chris Carson, dudes that we've talked about uh, tonight as well. Um, all right, let's um, do we go? No, we'll do one more game and then we'll do some more sponsor shite. Uh, all right, let's go to the New York Giants. This is the Football Night in America on NBC, the first of the week. And this is the Giants are down at AT&T Stadium playing the Cowboys. And Ezekiel Elliott will be playing in this game, despite his suspension being upheld for the first six games of the season. Uh, wait, what? Zeke's in the lineup in this week one. So wait, I, I'm confused. I thought he was Exactly. Out. So he... Okay, so... So they so. upheld the suspension. But because of the timing of the upholding of the suspension, he gets to play in week one because he has a temporary restraining order in court that should be heard on Friday. But no matter what, he's playing week one, according to guys like Adam Schefter. So he's playing week one, but not playing week two. Week week two is still uncertain because of this restraining order. But it sounds like they're going to make a ruling on it on Friday. So it could be something that gets you know held for the year. It could be something that gets thrown out of court right away, and then he misses the next six weeks. So the I'm a little confused. I thought we were all fired up that no. he was out for the first six games. You know what? I'm Despite the clarity, there is no clarity. So, we, but no matter what, he's playing, and we that's play. what they're saying. All right. So I, I, he's going to be running back one this week for me. Then uh, a later RB one. Something considered, just so if you guys are considering where, where to put in. This is I mean, ridiculous. Lo- lock and load. If he's in the lineup, yeah. just, you're going to be playing him. I just want to let everyone know kind of where I had him. I don't think he's going to have a bad game at all. I mean, check out that moon right there. I'm sorry, but that thing's fucking badass. I, I do have some overall concerns just because, that, you know, this is a very, very strong, strong defense. And I, I think they can do some things on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, let's see. Dallas didn't win a game against these guys last year, right? Um, no, scored 26 total points in two games. What, what did Zeke do in these games? Uh, I really wish I had my computer and wasn't making loud so, sounds right about now. 
<laughs> so Ezekiel Elliott in these games, you know, his first game, his rookie sort of debut, 51 yards on 20 carries, but scored a touchdown. Uh, and caught one pass for one yard. And then uh, later in the season, 107 rushing yards on 24 carries and, you know, no catches on two targets. Like, Zeke didn't light it up against these guys, but I do agree that the volume dictates that he's likely to be an RB1, RB2. Um, And with this offensive line sort of losing some pieces, is there room for overall, you know, him to go off, or is he more of a solid play for, like, 100 yards and maybe a touchdown? Like, you know, great game, but... Does he have that top, top, top upside of guys like David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell? I I just don't see it this week because guys like Snacks Harrison and Jason Pierre-Paul, who we know can play the run, and Olivier Vernon and and their linebacker depth has seemingly improved. Landon Collins coming up and playing the run. And we know how deep they are at corner, and they're willing to whip guys like Janoris Jenkins, Dominic Rogers, Karomardi, willing to leave these guys on islands against Des Bryant. Like, they're going to be all out to stop Zeke, whether he's active or inactive. So, there is some concern. I'll have him as probably RB10 in my ranks, maybe, maybe a little bit lower, but definitely a start. Well, let's talk about Dez since we're here on the Cowboys side. We know his schedule is pretty brutal. He's got a tough one uh, for the start, first five-ish games, and then things clear up for him. What are you expecting for him out of this one? Think, I, go for it. For the same reasons, I, I do think he has a tough matchup. I think it's going to be difficult for him to put up a wide receiver one week based on the favorable matchups of a lot of these you know, other receivers have in their respective games. Um, it's it's really hard to, man. Yeah, I, I do not expect him to have a wide receiver one week. I, I think I feel pretty confident in saying that. You're going to lock him in if you have him as your wide receiver two. I mean, that that's a no-brainer. He's going to have a wide receiver two week, but he, he has the opportunity to flirt with those wide receiver one numbers dependent on that touchdown. I think. And in a lot of teams uh, that were early in the drafts, um, he's a wide receiver one, you know, just uh, you, you took a running back or you took something else um, and you got Dez. You're playing him. So understand that throughout these shows, if you, if Dez is your, wide, your best wide receiver, highly drafted wide receiver, don't overcoach it, don't overthink it. You pretty much got to play him. Um, especially in week one. That's yeah, not necessarily, especially in week one. That's not necessarily true when they play the Giants later in the season if he gets shut down because he scored negative fantasy points against the Giants last year. And you have better options. On but four, I agree. 14 targets on ne- and scored negative fantasy points if you have a league that counts. <laughs> that's awesome. No, it's true. Hey, believe me, Allen Robinson on plenty of my teams last year, I didn't start him once after week six. You know, it's just it's the way it goes. you got to be smart. That's why we listen to you guys. That's just why I listen I'm to still star- I'm still starting Dez be- yeah. in that RB, or wide receiver two range, but mostly it's because Janoris Jenkins has come out talking shit about how he's slow and he only runs three routes. So now I'm just imagining angry Dez. Uh, so he's like, if you take away the dig, the slant, and the uh, post corner from Dez, 
then you take away everything he has. And if you get physical with him, it, it's fine because he's not that fast. And he might as well just call him a pussy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, now you're just going to throw Dez a fucking uh, fade and back in the end zone against Janoris Jenkins. You're probably going to man him over. I agree with that. And, and, you know, this just actually goes back. I'm just kind of trying to, clear, trying to clear my head right now because I was thinking about the Carolina matchup and Kelvin Benjamin on Janoris Jenkins for some reason, but it makes a lot more sense now that I remember it was Dez Bryant over Janoris Jenkins. So listening back for anyone that had to listen to me try to have a take on the Carolina game, I was just out of it. <laughs> so, But, uh, yeah, Dez is a, a, a super legit wide receiver two play. Just don't get bummed out if he has a, a down game. Uh, he's not a bust. Just uh, hope he doesn't hurt his foot. It, you know, but uh, I mean, let's just move on to the quarterbacks. I think both uh, uh, Dak Prescott and Eli Manning are going to have solid games just based on the, the weapons that they have, um, especially with Ezekiel Elliott in the game now. That's I, I, I like Dak even more now. I already had Dak as my QB7 this week, and I think I had Eli just a few spots down. They were both QB1s for me this week. Um, both are great, solid plays. If I had to choose between one or the other, I'm, I'm, I'm playing Dak, which I don't think anyone's really having that issue because I think when it came down to drafting, Dak was being drafted as way before Eli anyways. Um, the wide receivers, that's where it gets fun. I mean, we're talking about OBJ, and then you got Brandon Marshall on one side. OBJ, OBJ's playing. Sounds like he's should, definitely in there be. with no practice. They don't really care, so Dell Beckham is going to be a top five wide receiver for you if he's in the lineup. Absolutely. I mean, maybe you temper expectations a little bit, but you, you name one of Dallas's corners, and if you're right, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> I actually had to look it up, and I'm not even going to bother. Claiborne, with who's well, he's on the Jets last year. Right, so now you owe me a dollar. <laughs> it's yeah, I, knew, it's a, I knew I was answering the question wrong. It's Orlando uh, Scandrick and Nolan Carroll. Like, so. guy, like Nolan Carroll, the guy who got torched all last season for the Eagles, right? Like that same guy? Yeah, you just match up uh, on him for DFS and you, you'll be all right. Yeah. Oh, so, brother. No, but anyways, so like, I, I want to jump on the, yeah, OBJ is definitely top five play. I don't even care if he says he's like 80%. Um, I'm locked and loaded and he should have a field day. Uh, Brandon Marshall should put up wide receiver three numbers. Now, if, if, if for some reason they're monitoring OBG's, OB, Beckham Jr. snaps and they're using him more as a decoy, Marshall could, you know, he might. Isn't Marshall banged up too? No, I think he's all right. He's nah, he had that shoulder thing, but it sounds like he's going to be back completely in the lineup. They're ready to fire. His ceiling could be wide receiver two numbers, but his floor is definitely wide receiver three. And I think Eli's going to have a good time. And Evan Ingram, um, I, I'm actually, he's growing on the me. The buzz, the buzz is hot with that he, guy. He's growing on me. I got worried earlier in the offseason. I, I think I um, threw shade on him in one of my podcasts. I don't I don't remember if it was a rookie dossier or if it was during a dynasty playbook. But they wanted to use him more as a blocker, the traditional tight end. I was like, that will not work. But now they got rid of Will Ty. And so I'm like, okay, so maybe they are legitimately... It's a bona fide wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. The, glorified wide receiver. Yeah, maybe they will use him properly. I know the Giants uh, ran so many three wide receiver sets last year, and Sterling Shepard still may get a lot of those as well, but Evan Ingram is a capable wide receiver. I have him as a tight end six this year. 
uh, this week. And because of Evan Ingram is a, a, a top six play, uh, OBJ's top five, and Marshall even out there as a uh, wide receiver three with the ceiling of a wide receiver two. And then you consider someone like Shane Green who can mix in as well. I don't even give me starting on Paul Perkins. I could care less. But Eli, it's, it's going to be the Eli show, and he should have a QB one week. It should be good for both quarterbacks. Cool. Let's uh, let's move on to the Monday night. There's two of them, as usual, uh, the first week of the season. And we are lucky enough to, uh, to get two of them on Monday, September 11th. Uh, the first game is going to be the Saints at the Vikings. Drew Brees. Woo! He was starting to get he started to get drafted pretty high in drafts as, as the season got closer and closer. Um, worth every penny, but you used to be able to get him at a value a little bit more. And this year he was he was he was a uh, he was a top tier the kind of well QB three and went like fourth round exactly. Kind of I mean, and you're paying the same price for him as he was last year without Brandon Cooks on that team and. I still, in my tiers, I had Drew Brees as the QB3, but I think I put him as a, in a tier below. Uh, a lot of people will put him in the same tier as Brady and Rodgers. Like, that's crazy. But I also couldn't, like, drop him too far down because then you get in that 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 Mariota, uh, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston mix. You're like, Drew Brees is better than that. So you kind of have yeah. to uh, – it, it's tough. By default, Drew Brees is, should be – is probably the third-best quarterback for this year. But there is a big teardrop after Rodgers and Brady, in my opinion. What um, is he doing? What is he doing this game? Is he ready to get it going? I, I think he's going to start getting warmed up. I don't think he's going to have one of his best games. I think he may just squeak out a QB one week. Uh, I do have a lot of respect for Minnesota's defense. I think they're going to have one of the the better defenses all year. We've seen it. That you know, um, their linebacker core is solid. Their their pass rush is getting better. Um, I think Drew Brees may start slow this game, trying to get used to relying on nothing but uh, Michael Thomas. And now with Willie Sneed suspended, relying on just uh, Ted Ginn, his deep threat to be more involved maybe in the shorter mid-range game could be, could be a little tough. I know they kind of uh, probably expected it. I know the team expected it. They probably knew about the suspension before we all did. Yeah. So it makes sense why we saw Sneed getting pushed back in the depth chart. I don't... Brandon Coleman, they'll probably try and... Uh, they they may, him. and then Fleener, but I don't think you're going to see a, 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 you know, a show of force from Drew Brees. I think this is just going to be, hey, let's get by this first few weeks till we're full strength. Let's get our running game involved. Let's figure out who our running backs are and who's going to you know, receive more carries. I think he's going to be more of a game manager this game against Minnesota's tough defense. The offense has got a lot of new, yeah. a lot of new stuff. I mean... I agree that he doesn't have high, high upside this week. I still think he's a, a strong start for you because his offensive weapons, you know, are pretty good. Michael Thomas, uh, who probably gets matched up with Xavier Rhodes, you know, he, he's shown signs of being, you know, That'll that be type exciting of player. To see that. So that's gonna be one of those games, it, games within the games that you just want to watch. And if he can create separation against a guy like that. Then his game has really taken a step forward. I agree with that. But me, I just don't think it will. I agree. I, I, so it, but if it does, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree that it won't. But if it does, then all of a sudden you're like, "Whoa, this guy is this guy's yeah. legit." But Ted Ginn, I think, is the guy they may use between the twenties. 
Like, once they get to the red zone, maybe Tedkins get pulled out for a guy like Brandon Coleman, who, where they can use his size in the red zone and Ginn's speed and ability to take a top off the defense isn't as effective. So I, I definitely like that uh, sort of matchup. So if you're just searching for a cheap touchdown, maybe Brandon Coleman could bring that to you. Um, you know, but Kobe Fleener looks like a strong start, unfortunately, uh, because of the Willie Sneed, you know, issue. Um, and maybe even we'll see the little kid Tommy Lee and what he could do. Uh, but that that is that. Did he get cut? No, no, that's that's a good call. No, Tommy Lee, the guy I, who's got I don't think so. on his uh, on his. I no, I don't tattooed uh, across his midriff. I, I didn't even guy. have him on my rankings. I didn't even go down that far. But I mean, that's a good call. But I mean, I wouldn't even consider him. He's even yeah. Getting a I mean, that, we're talking real deep. <laughs> real deep. We but, go deep here at Pyro. But no, I, I like his spelunking. I like getting his deep speed. You know, going up against a guy like Trey Waynes, who's known as a speed corner, that's another interesting matchup to watch within the game. Like, they match up pretty well with Minnesota. Minnesota matches up pretty well with them on defense. Um, The question is, can Minnesota continue to get a pass rush with just four players, allowing you to play more guys on the back end. But I'm, I'm really not going to fade the Saints. It's still a road game, but they're going to be playing in a dome in Minnesota. Under the lights. Under the yeah. lights, the bright lights. Like, things could be looking up for these guys as well. Um, what about, uh, let's talk about the running back situation for the Saints. I think if... Your boy, Adrian Peterson, is going to do it. He better do it this week yeah. against his old team where they might give him a chance and a touchdown or two. Besides that, I don't know if he's truly the running back that they want to give 20 touches to, except for maybe this week. But I think Mark Ingram's still going to be the starter, um, and, and that's not really a question mark. Like I think he's going to be highly, highly involved. Uh, and now with... You know, will he sneak out? Maybe they use Alvin Kamara as more of a hybrid running back receiver, but that's something that's probably too soon to see. But we did see them like play without Sneed a lot, and he wasn't being played in two wide receiver sets for a reason. They must have known this. Before we go over to the uh, the Viking side of the ball, do us a favor and uh, listen to our last word from our sponsors. All right, Vikings. Sammy. I mean, Steak Party. You've been waiting all show. Yeah, for you're this. fired up. Let's go. Start out with. Let's start out with this. Uh, this digs. We're digging some dig love right now. Digging get after some it. Get after Stephon it. Where you got him? Where you got him ranked? Wide receiver thirteen. <laughs> I was hoping for higher than that. I, I was too. You kind of sell yourself short there. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I have them ranked above guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Crabtree and Alshon Jeffrey, Demaryius Thomas, T.Y. Hill. We understand that there's like uh, yeah. no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> We're happy now. Um, um, and I've got Sam Bradford at QB 14. Like, if you're looking for a streamer this week, Sam Bradford is your man. Like, if I have to pick a streamer. That Sam Bradford's the guy I'm going to search for first, 
we New Orleans has had multiple, multiple seasons now of being awful against opposing passers. We saw last year that they allowed over 4,500 yards passing and 27 touchdowns with only nine interceptions and one of the few teams with under 10 interceptions on the year. Um, they're not really a threat to take it you know, from the house you know, that fractured fibula issue that they had with Delvin Bro, he sort of fell out of favor. Favor, uh, Just all the difficulties these guys have on defense, you know, it's going to lead to good times for Sam Bradford. And without really a truly established run game from a guy in Dalvin Cook, who also looked great catching the ball out of the backfield, that they might have to go with a little bit of aerial assault, especially if New Orleans can put up a couple points. And then Sam's got to throw it, and he's going to run screens to digs and run uh, nice little quick dump-offs to guys to Thielen in the slot. And Kyle Rudolph's going to catch touchdowns and fall down. Um, I think things, he, things, didn't he have, like, the first or second best long ball last year, Sam Bradford? Uh, in, ter- in terms of accuracy, he had the most accurate long ball, but not in terms of number of attempts it was or yeah, yardage. Yeah, yeah. He definitely doesn't hit it, go for it very often. So, stay party. Uh, you have Stephon Diggs at 13, you said, right? Yep. Where do you have Adam Thielen? Uh, a little bit low, like definitely in the flex range. Notice, notably lower, though. Yeah, at wide receiver 40. Okay, because I actually like, for the reasons why you like Sam Bradford, against this porous New Orleans defense, I think that Adam Thielen is a very good value play this week. I, yeah. like, Stephon Diggs is already going to be probably in starting lineups. But when these guys are looking at these flex options, you're, you're stuck between this wide receiver C, this wide receiver D, this running back E or whatnot. Man, Adam Thielen looks super good to me this year. I mean, I have Adam Thielen right there with Stephon Diggs, and I have Adam Thielen as a, a locked-in, safe-to-say, confident in doing so wide receiver too. Um, I really like the game plan for Bradford. I don't have... Uh, Bradford as high as you, but I do have him really close. He's a great streamer. I think I had him as QB 17, right there with Jared Goff, but that game plan has me reconsidering with Todd Gurley. This isn't final, but yeah, I'm totally on board with you there with Sam Bradford. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, I think there was a little bit of news going on with his health lately. I haven't actually kept up with it. I don't see any kind of designations on him as questionable or whatnot, but yeah, that, that that's a locked in tight end one week. Um, totally on board with everything you say. You have a reason to be excited, and I think everyone listening should should somewhat be excited to you know for the Vikings as well. I guess. How, how about Dalvin Cook? You got him as a top. Yeah, I don't. I don't look. I have always like. I, I just try to quietly go about my Dalvin Cook business. I'm still <laughs> I, I'm still avoiding that. What is, what is, where bit. are you? Are you in red too? Uh, while you're doing this? What is this? Uh, Delvin Cook, I actually have him outside of running back two, but like just barely right now because I still think that Latarius Murray can be a vulture. I still think Jarek McKinnon can still, you know, get, get snaps. Like, I don't know yet. As much as we want to buy into this rookie fever and believe that it's the shiny new toy that's going to get driven on a lot right away, it's really hard to feel confident about that. And I am avoiding Minnesota's backfield for the same reason I'm avoiding most backfields in the NFL. 
Um, I, I don't like Delvin Cook as a play this week. It, I think it's Sam Bradford and his receiving options. I like Delvin Cook enough. I think he's a top fifteen running back. And, and you know, and a lot of people think the same way. I mean, and I, 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 I'm not openly like sh- like saying Delvin Cook is gonna be a bust. I'm just like I just don't feel confident. I'm just gonna keep him down until there until I see it and just yeah. walk exactly and just yeah. walk away from it. I get that, but they're already making all the moves you want to see for a rookie. Like, this guy's number one on the depth chart for in-season games now. Like, Latavius has been back and played behind Delvin Cook. Like, all the, signs, so, all, all the signs you wanted to see, like, you've seen them from Delvin Cook. Like, if you would have seen the same thing with Joe Mixon, you fucking have a hard on right now because Joe Mixon would be in your top, like, 15 running backs. <laughs> like, that's it. So... And like everybody, sometimes I wish. Sometimes I wish we this was a uh, a YouTube live. Yeah, that uh, that, that ASL that steak party just used uh, the American Sign Language for hard on was one full forearm and fist. I mean, like sturdy right in front there. I mean, it was solid. It Lex like Steel. The, the revolution fist. I mean, it was like. <laughs> All right, nice. Well, I, I actually well, I'm excited to hear that you guys talk about that cook because that was that was where I wanted to see. And again, it'll be we'll know we'll know by the end of Sunday's uh, Sunday or Monday. That's a Monday. End of Monday night game. We'll kind of have a much clearer view, and it'll come into focus on what a Dalvin Cook's going to be all about. Yeah, absolutely. While it may take some teams a couple more weeks to figure out, hey. Who's our true running back is? I think it's safe to say whatever Minnesota does week one against New Orleans's run defense, it, it'll speak pretty highly, you know, of what they plan to do for for the next few weeks. Totally agree. All right, guys, last game, last Monday night, week one, Chargers are at the Broncos. Let's um, let's let's talk about this game and then we'll uh, close this party out. I mean, the Chargers, you know, going up against the Broncos is where it's tough for the passing game. But we saw Melvin Gordon have success in this game last year. Um, We saw that the Broncos were much, much more vulnerable to opposing run games than we thought. You know, these teams split matchups last year um, and basically both scored 40 points through the game. So 20-20-20 the one game was 27-19, the other was 21-13. Pretty sure if you add those numbers up, it's you know 40 points over the season. There are two tough teams. Um, Trevor Simeon you know, was pretty effective in the last game these guys played. 20 of 38 for 276, but didn't throw any touchdowns. And Devontae Booker got a start there, and that was tough. But... Phillip Rivers is sort of outside of my top 15 quarterbacks. I, I do like Melvin Gordon uh, as a strong play. Um, and I, I do think Keenan Allen could be involved. I don't have him as a wide, rec- wide receiver one or two. I've got him just out in the top half of my wide receiver threes because Chris Harris is a motherfucker. And the keep to leave if he plays any on the outside is also a bad man. Bradley Roby. Hey, you, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Let's give it up. Bradley Roby's also a, a tough corner. But they did just, you know, surprisingly cut TJ Ward. So can other guys on this team be more effective and be 
You know, can Hunter Henry make things happen uh, against that sort of play? Or is it still Antonio Gates' team? I really like the play. I, I think Hunter Henry's an interesting play this week because they really did like the verticality out of the tight end position, and I think you can get, and I think you can get that with Hunter Henry right now. Verticality um, is like that it. a word? Because I'm, I'm not sure, sure but it is. You guys <laughs> it look is. at me. It's I'm a like, word now. Verticality. I'm not sure it's a word, but it is now. That's a damn good sounding word, though. Dude, we've um, been making dogmatica used to make up words every show. Now. We're, we're living on his legacy. So Verticality, love it. For week one, I, I guess we saved it for last. If there was a legitimate playoff team, capable team, that had a lousy matchup for week one, where it's going to get everyone bummed out from the start of all their playmakers, I think it's the, the LA Chargers. I think Philip Rivers is going to have a bad game. I don't like I don't. I don't feel comfortable starting Keenan Allen. And you guys know how big I am on Tyrell Williams. I, I'm would not play him this week. Um, uh, I like Antonio Gates maybe a squeak more than Hunter Henry this week. I think if if anyone is if you knew to, the word verticality, I mean, wouldn't. <laughs> so you, you have to attain verticality in order to get to the squeak. So uh, if, I think Philip Rivers <laughs> squeak verticality. Philip Rivers is going to have a difficult time uh, getting the ball to his receivers to a point where he is managing the game properly. So I think. He's going to transition into relying a little bit more on Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry to score those touchdowns that they're desperately going to need. Melvin Gordon is is an okay play. You guys are you're going to play him. He may not put up a top twelve week, but he's going to come close to it. Um, they're going to keep it on the ground as much as possible. They don't want to turn that ball over. Let's see if they can you know wear down that that defensive line of the Broncos. And I think that's their best chance is to break it down a little bit and you know toss in their tight end toss to their tight ends. Well, they need to be a balanced attack, and I think they will try and prove that, whether it um, proves beneficial or not. But uh, we know that that team for the last, for the years uh, has just been chucking the ball around the field, and I think this year with Melvin Gordon uh, and the awesome uh, weapons that, that Phillip has at receiver, they need to uh, kind of balance it out a little bit more. Do you guys see the awesome uh, bus or car? I don't even, they didn't show the outside of it, but Phillips ride. SUV. It was an S- SUV. It's an SUV. Sick. That thing is sick. It, it looked like a damn. Like, That's an SUV. The inside SUV. of a boat almost. I mean, I was, I was trying to get the dimensions where I was like. I just wish they would have showed the outside. They, they didn't do that because they know people would be following. I think it goes like, all the way to the, the back of the. It had to go all the way to the back. Like, if you yeah. think about where the, the rear doors are, but, but it just looks a little. A little extended, look like a something like was an going SUV limo. No, basically there's there was a a, a, a tweet somewhere, a, a story about Philip Rivers's rig on um, for his drives up from San Diego where he lives and where he's played for ages up to LA. Not the longest ride ever, but you know a couple three hours, whatever. Uh, and he can he's got this game room, war room, watch tape. And work on his rides up each time. Two hundred thousand How much jerking off do you think he's gonna do back? That's there? what I've been doing. Like, well, <laughs> shit, <laughs> you guys don't jerk off to Philip Rivers film? <laughs> no, no. Not, never mind. Then. Never mind. I would be like, yeah, what's going on? Um, I don't know. Oh, don't look know. at that go route. Oh, <laughs> look at that. I, I didn't even see these. Look at that go These around. angles, man. It looks so sweet. Hey, uh, the guy, and he has to pay like a guy, the driver, a lot of money. Be like, yeah, here, 
I soiled the seats a little bit. Um, all right, let's move on to the Broncos. The Broncos. Yeah. So if I were to, if, oh if I had God. to choose between if if I had to bench Philip Rivers for whatever reason, I would feel okay starting Trevor Simeon instead. I it. it I think Trevor Simeon could have an okay game, similarly to how he played last year, but with the addition of an extra year under his belt and not having to worry about fighting for his job, um, I think the coaches are going to open up the book a little bit for him. I, you know, he's got Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders at 100% full health. Uh, the running game, C.J. Anderson and uh, Jamal. What? Go ahead, go on, stay party. Jeez. Don't do Jamal. it. Just Jamal. play Sam Bradford. I started that <laughs> with if, for whatever reason, I couldn't start Philip Rivers. If my my mouse button was broken and he was just stuck on my bench and and and, and, and you, you had and you had Trevor Simeon in there first. You had an Oklahoma guy in your league that was all up on Bradford. I'm just I'm just gonna explain that I will have Simeon. I might might. Have him above Philip Rivers this week. It's not finalized, but it's definitely yeah, there now. I might. I'm, I mean, the matchup for Rivers just looks abysmal. A new stadium, new everything. Everything's changed. I don't like it. Um, uh, it's it's going to be bad. Denver's just going to fuck around with Philip so much. It's going to suck for him so bad. And I think <laughs> Trevor Simeon's just going to have a lot more comfortable, laid back game. Let me just get enough yards and a Touchdown or two to get by. Rivers might have two. Might have two picks. I mean, it's it's not going to be fun for him. Let's go to the running backs and the wide receivers. I like I like I like what you're saying there. Wise. I mean, Los Angeles is a stout defense now that they can get Jason Verrett back uh, from his own injuries. They now have a quarter uh, cornerback tandem that is one of the toughest in the league with uh, Verrett and. Uh, who led the league in picks last year? I closed all my stuff down. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> um, we're all right in a row. I'm just uh, so the cornerback tandem is one of the toughest in the league. Um, you know, with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the outside, they are both very, very strong pass rushers. Casey Hayward, Casey Hayward, former Green Bay Packer. How did I not remember that? Yeah, and week one's fucking rough. Uh, yeah, just so just so you know, we've had we've all had a rough run. We've been stressed out. We've got gotten a lot of stuff done. You look sharp and dapper. I've had a four yeah. day fucking binge drink. Yeah, you went on a bin, you went on a bender for you did weddings, rehearsal parties, rehearsal dinner, wedding dinner, uh, rehearsal dinner, Didn't wedding. You? Bachelor party recovery. I just Wait, was the bachelor party after the wedding? Yeah, on Sunday. No, it was <laughs> different people. Different people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had to so, survive hey, five days married, in Buffalo. And then we're having the bachelor party the next day. What's that? I, I, I made it through Buffalo for the last five days. I mean, You must have done more drinking than I did then. <laughs> I, I, I lasted nearly half the time that uh, Anquan Bolden did it there in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, I mean, with, with the depth of those corners and... You know, the ability to get pass rush and, and question marks nearly at every position on the offensive line for the Denver Broncos. I like their uh, run game weapons a lot more than I like their receivers. But uh, I'd avoid Demarius Thomas uh, if I could. I, I think I've got him as a top 20 receiver. But then, you know, Emmanuel Sanders I'm avoiding much, much more. 
because he's one of those guys that's more boom or bust. But I, I, I think we know what what Demarius will give you. He'll give you a six for seventy or eighty yards and, and put up a decent game for you. But Sanders could could be a guy if I can avoid starting him, I would. Um, C.J. Anderson, I think, is a very strong play right in that sort of twelve to fifteen range among running backs. Uh, Jamal Charles, you know, he looked awesome in that preseason game. So I'm excited to see what he can do. But I, I still think they're going to be very limited on his touches. Uh, they're going to give him, you know, maybe, maybe he plays 12 snaps and, and gets six or seven touches a week. I think that's a little low. I think I'm a little higher in Jamal Charles this week than you are. I think, uh, you know, I think Denver's going to open up the run game. They're going to get both C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles involved. I think that's where I kind of left off before you wanted to raise your hand and talk crap about my Simeon take. But, um, I just had to help the people. You know, uh, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, they're going to be a wide receiver two play. Sanders could slip down to wide receiver three for the reason State already mentioned. Uh, the, the, the run game should, should be a somewhat safe play for C.J. Anderson. It, is, it will be interesting to see how many touches they give Jamal Charles, but I do believe it's going to be more than six touches on 12 snaps. It could, we, we could be looking more of a 65-35 uh, you know, kind of thing between the two of them, pretty much until one of them breaks uh, kind they're of thing. Both, they're both going to break. If C.J. Anderson cannot break, that guy might come as one of the best values in the history of fantasy football. But he's going to break. I know the listeners have been waiting for the, the discussion on A.J. Derby. No. <laughs> there will be none. Don't even just. I know you're looking for the oh, AJ Derby. Yeah, no, just just get, forget about it. Uh, I think he, I think we've talked there. enough fantasy football. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna high five and we're gonna get fired up for Sunday and Monday and Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, dudes, fans, stags, wise, all of us. Football's back. And it's unbelievable. I hate it when the summer ends, but the only thing that makes it better is the fact that football begins. And it's going to be a really exciting season. I think there is a lot of fucking talent in the league right now across every position. There's a lot of great rookies that maybe can do some things this year. And stick with us on a weekly basis. We'll be recording the show every Tuesday. Uh, listen to our Pyro uh, Pulse podcast as well, done by The Heartbeat. Check out all of our content that we're going to be doing. This is when it hits fever pitch. And, um, Waz, thanks for standing in tonight. We always love having you on the show. Stag Party, you're the man firing it up. And, goddamn, I can't believe that after the our next friggin' Pyro podcast is going to be uh, after week one, and we're going to have a lot more focus and clearer view of what... What what owner? Maybe. What, what, yeah, maybe. Maybe like what, what the hell? <laughs> we might. What we the might fuck not. Just oh, happened. Re- redact the last episode. Get rid we'll of have something to react to. <laughs> Whereas right now we're yeah. reacting to a lot of um, a lot of maybe truths. Yeah, we just don't. No one knows. But Here's the hope at man. the end of the day, I'd rather listen to you two mofo's and listen to what we're talking about than a lot of other folks. And I hope you guys agree. Thanks for joining us on another three-hour week one. Let's fire it up. 
I hope all your teams and all your good stuff uh, brings you a 1-0 victory. Let's do it. We'll see you uh, next week. Thanks, fellas. We out. I don't know how you do that. You were in, you were in some sort of armed forces. Was that, was that something? You oh, yeah, because I'm trying to lure the enemy with crickets. <laughs> just make them walk. Oh, that's just... No, see that big ball? Oh, it's just a bullfrog. Just a... It, that's a ball. No, it's not a human. We love you guys. Much love. Showtime. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rat patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cast is closed. Rap critics save money, cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zap of toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, fuck critics, you can kiss my whole asshole. If you don't like my lyrics, you can press fast forward. Got beef with radio, if I don't play that show. They don't play my hits. Well, I don't give a shit, so Rap Max try and use my black ass So advertise can give them more cash for ads, fuckers I don't know what you take me as So understand the intelligence that Jay-Z has I'm from Rats, the richest niggas, I ain't dumb I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one Hit me 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one If you have a girl problem, I can dab you, son I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one Hit me Yeah, it's 94 and my trunk is raw And my rear view mirror is the motherfucking law Got two choices, y'all, pull over the car for Bounce on the devil, put the pedal to the floor And I ain't trying to see no highway chase with Jake Plus I got a few dollars, I can fight the case So I pull over to the side of the road I heard, son, do you know I'm stopping you for? Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know Am I under arrest or should I get some more? Well, you was doing 55 in the 54 uh -huh. Lost the registration and step out of the car You carrying a weapon on you, I know a lot of you are I ain't stepping out of shit, all my papers legit Well, do you mind if I look around the car a little bit? And my glove compartment is locked, so it's the trunk in the back And I know my rights, so you gon' need a warrant for that <laughs> Aren't you sharp attack? You some type of law or something, somebody Search my shit. Well, we'll see how smart you are when the canine goes. I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. If you have a girl problem, I can back for you, son. I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. If you have a girl problem, I forgot for you, son. I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one. Hit me. Having a pussy, but a pussy having no goddamn sense. Trying to push me. I try to ignore him, talk to the Lord, pray for him. But some fools just love to perform. You know the type, loud as a motorbike, but wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. And the only thing that's gonna happen is I'ma get the clapping, and he and his boys gonna be yapping to the captain. And then I go trapped in a Kit Kat again. Back through the system with the riffraff again. Bees on the floor, scratching again. Paparazzi's with their cameras, snapping them. Meal for bail cause I'm African Or because this fool was harassing him Trying to play the boy like he's saccharine But ain't nothing sweet but I hold my gun I got 99 pounds, baby, bitch ain't one Hit me 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one If you have a girl problems, I feel bad for you, son I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one Hit me 
I got 99 pounds, but a bitch ain't one.